It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? For another show of the Sports Live Mouse, I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Our number to call is 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, to a new show. And yes, the crazy people that we always have on this network and all the crazy people that listen to this network throughout the week. We really appreciate all you guys and all the support that we have going and moving forward with this network. So I'd like to thank everybody that tunes into our shows throughout the week. Uh, At 915, we'll be talking to Iowa State NFL draft prospect tight end Charlie Kohler, right? Kohler. Kohler. Uh, All right. Kohler. Uh, at 9.45, we will also be talking to Dynasty League football senior writer Matt, the zookeeper price. So he'll be joining us as well. Actual uh, zookeeper, by the way, according to his Twitter. Is he a zookeeper? Yes. According to his Twitter profile, he is an actual zookeeper. So Maybe we should go to a we zoo. Have to, we have to ask him about that. Yeah, I'll have to say. Oh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> but uh, he'll be joining us. We'll talk about the draft with him as the draft is one week away and it's one day before my birthday mm-hmm. as round number one. What do the Jets do? Is Debo Samuel going to be playing for another team in another organization? Jeff reached out to me today and said it's almost a done deal. He'll be a Jet. But we'll see. Uh, I know Baltimore is interested. I've also heard the Cowboys are interested. So there's quite a few teams interested in Debo. Debo wants to move to the East Coast. Uh, He's from South Carolina. His family's out here, obviously. And he doesn't want to be in San Francisco anymore. He pretty much told San Francisco about 24 hours ago that he wants to be traded. So it doesn't seem like he will be a San Francisco 49er next year. So uh, we'll get into the Debo Samuel sweepstakes as well. Uh, Where does he head uh, after the 49ers trade him? Um, we will also get into the NBA playoffs. That's really the first thing we're going to get into. A uh, lot of injuries. Uh, er- obviously, Middleton uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks could be out three to four weeks. And now Devin Booker. Yes, the great Devin Booker for the Phoenix Suns could be out two to three weeks with a hamstring pull. Uh, first, first, what is it? First degree ham, uh, hamstring pull. So he could be out a significant amount of time. So uh, not a good sign for Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. They need that offense. So moving forward, uh, Phoenix is still in a in a series where they can lose. So it's it's crazy, and I feel bad because this always happens to. A Chris Paul team. Yep. It's either, arguably the most unluckiest player in NBA history. It's either Chris Paul or everybody around them. So it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. But hopefully uh, the Phoenix Suns find a way to get out of this 
uh, round and maybe get a little bit of time to get Devin Booker healthy. So going into the second round where they could be matched up against the Grizzlies, they could be matched up against one of these other teams. Yeah, Utah uh, or Dallas. Utah or Dallas yeah. or somebody like that who are playing very, very well. So uh, nobody said the Celtics stink. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, anyways. So, Jeff, Jeff just wanted to rub it in with Marcus Smart more. Probably. I have no idea. But we'll, we'll get into we'll get into the NBA first. Uh, obviously, everything that's going on. The Celtics up 2-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. I really think the Brooklyn Nets could uh, somehow find their way back into the series. If they lose Game Three, they're done. There's no way they're coming back. I don't care if Ben Simmons comes back in Game Four, which he he's made an announcement that he will be back Monday in Game Four. Who cares right. if you're down 0-3? How many teams come back from an 0-3 deficit in the NBA? Not many. So uh, I would say the series will be over if the Celtics win at least one game in uh, Brooklyn. So we will get into that in just a few moments, and we'll go through the Utah series, the Timberwolves series. By the way, this has been a fantastic series as well. But uh, Minnesota was up as much as. As much as 17 in this game, Memphis only cut it close than the end of the second quarter. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I love basketball in the playoffs. It, it's fun to watch. It, it's never fun to watch an 82-game season, yeah. especially if you're rooting for the Knicks. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely not ideal. So it's always good to watch the playoffs, and the Knicks are never in the playoffs, so it really doesn't matter. As a Knicks fan, it could you could care less. But anyways, we'll, we'll get into the NBA as we did last uh, last show first. Uh, we will get into the NBA, the NFL draft. Uh, what do the Jets do? What do the Giants do? What do some of these other teams do with a significant amount of trade tr- trade stock for some of these teams that have multiple draft picks in the first round? What do some of these teams do moving forward? And, and I think with the Jets, if, if they don't get Debo Samuel, uh, what are they going to do at 10? Do they trade out of the 10 pick and still get the wide receiver they want and add to the draft stock that they have in a second and third day? So that's going to be an interesting move that the Jets are going to have to figure out uh, as an organization. So it's so fun to watch, uh, especially a week away because Baker Mayfield's name has been brought up. And obviously, Debo Samuel's name's been brought up. There's quite a few other players that have been brought up. And Kyler Murray's stirring around. Yes, too. Kyler Murray as well, who wants a big contract in Arizona, is not willing to give it to him yet. I don't understand why, but yeah. uh, that just shows you how stupid Arizona is as an organization. So they'll probably trade him away and regret it too. Uh, but we'll get into some football as we will have uh, Dynasty League football senior writer Matt, the zookeeper, uh, Price, joining us. So we'll definitely get into a lot of football and, and some college football as well. Uh, the NHL, as the playoffs are around the corner, uh, the Rangers looked like they were whipping the Islanders' butt, but I expected that. Volamov is in net, and the Islanders are done. So wh- why do the Islanders care? Only only stupid people like Tyler Harrison gives a crap. So, I mean, I mean, he's over there trying to get to an uh, Islander-Ranger game. I, yes. He was, like, up in the boonies over there at Madison Square Garden the other day. Oh, was he? Bragging about it. Oh, man. You know, posting it all over social media. Good, good for you, Tyler. Yes, Instead Carl. of doing a radio show. Yes, Carl. I know DeMar DeRozan went off in game two. He was very impressive. I will give him credit. He had 41 points and played the best game wow. I probably ever saw him play. Wow, he's actually playing well in the playoffs. Good for him. Damar, a.k.a. Bricklayer DeRozan. Yes. Anyways, uh, we will get into 
uh, obviously, all the other stuff that's going on in sports. We will get into the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, the Yankees are getting shut out again. Not surprised. A lot of people are making making fun of Aaron Boone, too, for intentionally walking Miguel Cabrera, too, today, when he could have gotten his 3,000th hat. Who cares? It, it really doesn't matter. I, I mean, it's so early in the season, and the Yankees, I think, are tied in first place. It, it, it really doesn't. It, here's where it matters. When you're 45, 50 games into the season and how far the Yankees are out of first. That's when you have to worry as a Yankee fan, especially knowing that Aaron Judge will probably not be there next year. So that's a whole nother story. Um, but why don't we get into uh, the whole basketball situation. And yesterday, uh, the Phoenix Suns lose a very important piece to the puzzle, especially a team that a lot of people expect to be in the NBA Finals. Uh, the Phoenix Suns lose Devin Booker to possibly two to three weeks with a hamstring pull. It could be even longer than that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a major grade hamstring pull. Uh, it's a first grade hamstring pull, which is the worst that you can have. Uh, it's very interesting moving forward where this team is. They're in a, right now in a series where there, there's no guarantees. Uh, we saw in game one, if it wasn't for Chris Paul going off, they lose that game. Yeah. Okay. And, and Devin Booker, he gives you quality minutes. He gives you quality points. He's giving you between 25 and 30 points a game. And uh, in the playoffs, I think he averages 24 and a half points a game. So to lose Devin Booker and his offense is a significant loss. Now, who is going to help Chris Paul out? Is it DeAndre Ayton? Is it one of these guys off the bench uh, that has played well throughout the season? They're a very good three-point shooting team. Uh, they're going to have to shoot even more now that Devin Booker is out. His, his efficiency at the three-point line is better than any player on the team. So uh, I think moving forward, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to run the offense through Chris Paul. It usually gets run through offensively. It runs through Devin Booker. Chris Paul is usually the facilitator, the guy that uh, usually uses his ability to find the open man. Now these guys are going to have to start hitting shots. DeAndre Ayton, who hasn't really become a superstar. He's a star. He's a great player. He's going to have to show up in this series and, and maybe the next series and, and, and show why uh, he was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So to me, where Phoenix is, they're in a really soft spot right now, and they're in a very hard conference, and, and you have to deal if they don't get – let's say they get out of this round. They get through the Pelicans, okay? They're going to have to play possibly the Utah Jazz or the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is not going to be easy. Luka Doncic, Brunson, the players that they have right now, their bench is playing well. And then you have, obviously, the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. It's, it's not going to be easy. And, and losing a significant offensive piece like Devin Booker, it's not something that you could say, oh, my God, it's like losing a Kardashian, okay? <laughs> Well, you are losing a Kardashian. You won't have to deal with her on the sidelines. Well, I right guess now. that's a good thing. That might be. Maybe she's a jinx. But nevertheless, right now in position of where they are and where the Phoenix Suns are, I can't sit here today and say, you know what? I think Phoenix could win this series now. I, I don't know. I don't know. And if, if, if somehow Devin Booker don't come back for a significant, significant amount of time, uh, that could be 
a very big situation for this team moving forward in the playoffs. It hasn't been an easy road for them either, even when Devin Booker was on the court in game one. The Pelicans played them close for a while. They cut the lead deficit to within six. Phoenix had that big second quarter, but that was really it so far. So the Pelicans aren't to be taken lightly either. And even if they do end up winning the series, they might get exposed in other areas too, where a better team might be able to take advantage of that kind of thing. And you wonder too, Utah-Dallas would be the next matchup, and then the Grizzlies-Warriors would be a potential, or the Timberwolves, if they win too, would be a potential Western Conference Finals matchup if it comes down to that as well. You wonder if they, if, if they will have to, if they'll wear their bench out too much, where because Booker's not there, they're going to have to get the combined production from Cam Johnson, from Mikhail Bridges, and you might be right with Aiton too. They might have to shift into playing kind of a bigger system, which is not really their thing. Who would have thought that this series would be tied 1-1 going into Game 3 with arguably the best team in all of basketball losing Devin Booker as early as they did in game number two you could see they're not getting enough offense in the Pelicans and I I will say this what to me when they made that trade for CJ it it changed the outlook to the offensive style of game the way this Pelican team plays they're they're running the offense through him and you see he's he's a great three-point shooter he could score 30 to 40 points a pop he's a fantastic offensive player and you saw it in game number two yeah, and you also can see McCollum really, the, since the impact was there, they've looked like not only a playoff team, but like a legitimate top contender in the West, too. Like, I think they had the fourth best record in the Western Conference after the All-Star break, and that was around the time McCollum got traded, too. So you wonder if, one, the Suns also could be taking them lightly, but two, they're kind of like that underseeded team, and you're like, okay, maybe they're better than an 8 seed type thing, because the Pelicans were only really an 8 seed because they started the season 1-12, and more than anything else. And Brandon Ingram's becoming a becoming a star right in front of our eyes. We we know what he was when he was drafted, played for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, everybody knows he wanted to play for North Carolina. There was something going on uh, when, when he was deciding where he wanted to go, and then he there were stories that he was thinking about transferring from Duke to North Carolina. It didn't work out. He gets drafted, and he goes to L.A. They, he was part of that uh, – uh, what trade was that? Uh, I forget. It was what part of the big Anthony trade, Davis the Anthony trade, Davis yeah. trade. And Anthony Davis right now, he can't stay healthy. And Brandon Ingram slowly but surely is becoming a star right in front of our eyes. He's a good shooter, and, and he's a great offensive player. And la- the other day, last night, he had 37 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists, almost a triple-double. Uh, C.J. McCollum had 23 points, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds, almost a triple-double. And if you have... Two players that almost have a triple-double in a game and can dominate the game. It's giving your team half your points or a quarter of your points. You're going to probably win. So, uh, And you cannot depend on Chris Paul. And, and, and Chris Paul didn't have one of those games. I know 17-14-1 and one is not too shabby, but you need more. And Devin Booker with 31 points in 25 minutes and losing. He had 31 points in 25 minutes. He didn't he, – he, he got hurt – at the end of the second quarter, he was out practically the whole third and fourth quarter. If Devin Booker, if Devin Booker plays for the rest of the game, they probably win. Right. But now you have to worry about this series because there is no shoe in. There's no I. There's no guarantees that the Phoenix Suns are going to win this series. Jeff says Celtics have no shot. All the plus players on the all the good players are on the Nets. No way the Seas can pull us off. Ben says Middleton injury is a huge hindrance for Milwaukee's chance to repeat. Uh, Debo to Green Bay. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Debo's not going to Green Bay. He, they're not even in the. They're not even the top three teams in a talk with them. Nope. It was the Cowboys, Baltimore, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. Those are the three teams. 
that has come out. Uh, Jeff says it's it's almost a shoe in that the Jets again again. I'm, I I haven't heard anything like that. But Jeff has an insider, and he says that the Jets are the team that's probably going to land them. But go ahead, Speedy. Carl says, Jeff, I was super impressed with Peyton Pritchard. Jeff says he played some solid minutes in a tough spot while White and Smart picking up some early fouls. <laughs> Brandon Ingram's better than KD. DeRozan's better than KD. And Peyton Pritchard's better than KD. And Snug says, have discussed how good the Celtics looked. First of all, DeRozan's not better than KD. Brandon Ingram's not better than KD. And Peyton Pritchard is not better than KD either. I have... I, I, Listen, Jeff, I respect everything that you say. I know you hate KD and you hate the Nets because they're playing the Celtics. But KD is one of the top five players in the league. And at one point this year, he was a top two player. Okay. Some people say he was the best player in the NBA. He was the so, MVP for the first two months of the yeah, season. So I, I, don't know, I don't know where you can honestly sell us that these three players are better than him. I know you're like trying to be funny or whatever the heck you're trying to do. He's trying to do, to do some kind of trolling just because you like to pick on the Celtics. No, basically. I'm not picking on the Celtics. Listen, the Celtics are up right now. Two to nothing. They're they're in control of this series. I mean, uh, we've seen uh, Tatum play at the top of his game, and even even the last game that he played, Tatum didn't have one. It of It took those. him a while to get going. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play very well. Nineteen ten and six is not great. I mean, Al Horford, believe it or not, old man Horford is. <laughs> I both games has played f- fantastic, and Jalen Brown played a little bit better than he did in game. I, he's been. Very efficient. He la- the first game he scored 23 points. The second game he averaged 22 points. They're getting efficient scoring throughout the board. Marcus Smart, 12. Grant Williams, 17. Peyton Pritchard, 10. I mean, they were all... If you look at what the Celtics did in game number two, every single one of their players and their starting lineup scored in the teams. And when you do that, there's a very good chance you're going to win. And, and by the way, Kevin Durant... Even though he played 42 minutes with 27 points, he has not had a good series. He has not looked good. Uh, he's forcing shots. And you can see the difference of a healthy Kevin Durant when he's on. And I guess you could say a partial healthy Kevin Durant when he's off. And right now, he is not 100% healthy. You can see it. He's lagging behind. He's not shooting the ball very well. And you see it. And Kyrie Irvin, who had a fantastic first game, uh, did he show up in this game? I mean, honestly... Uh, and by the way, shout out to Marcus Smart, who shut Kyrie Irving out in the fourth quarter. Kyrie Irving could not do anything in the fourth quarter. And a lot to do with Marcus Smart. He defended Kyrie Irving throughout the fourth quarter when they were making that, when they were trying to make a run to get back into the game. Um, fantastic defense by Marcus Smart. And you can see the difference right now. Uh, and by the way, Snug. Uh, KD is not, I mean, Julius Randle is not Randall. better than KD. Okay, okay. Yeah, give me a break. But uh, you, you see the difference. The Nets, they need to get more offense. They really do. I mean, are you going to depend on Goran Dragic, 20, 20 minutes, 18 points? Dragic has played well in this series. He really has when he's gotten some time. But they need more offense from certain players. Bruce Brown should not be scoring 23 points a game. <laughs> right. I mean, Seth Curry, who has played well bo- both you know game one and ba- game two, 31 minutes, 16 points. The problem with the Nets are they're not getting enough points off the bench. They're really not. Their lineup, their starting lineup, their rotation is giving you at least a little bit more than half your points. And if you're not getting anything on the bench, Nick Claxton, three points. Obviously, Goran Dragic. Patty Mills, five points. 
You know, you're not getting it. You're not getting points from these guys. Seth Curry is giving 16 points, but the rest of the guys, Drummond, five points. Kyrie Irving, 10 points. Bruce Brown, 23 points. Kevin Durant, 27 points. You're not getting enough. And that's why they're down 2-0 in this series. And if they don't win game three in Brooklyn, it's over. Jeff has arrived, by the way. Jeff, what's going on, man? See, this is this is where I think that you're a little off base here. Because you're blaming Kyrie. Oh, didn't have a good game. You're blaming KD. Oh, didn't have a good game. Um, I, I, complimented, not, I complimented Marcus Smart, I, I understand what you're saying. But it's not bad KD and it's not bad Kyrie Irving. It's great Celtics defense, right? Tatum blocking Kevin Durant, right? Huge play, right? Smart locking down Kyrie Irving. It's gr- And by the way, it's a shorthanded Celtics defense. We haven't even gotten... The time lord off the bench yet? Haven't even gotten Celtics have one of the all-time great defenses in this league, like a team defense. It's not just one guy, right? So you can't just sit there and go, oh, it's bad KD, and that's why they're not winning. No, it's Boston's earning it. Great Boston defense. It's time to give them some credit. Great Boston defense. Again, we have given them credit. I don't know what you're you're saying that we're not giving them credit. I just well, gave no, I just gave Marcus Oh God, here we go. Marcus Mark. I didn't I didn't say he was a top five defender. I never said he he wasn't a talented defensive player. I said he wasn't a top five defender this year. And you'd be wrong. I was wrong. He's the best. And, and he's the best. Okay, are are you done? Because I already no, said I'm I was not. wrong. He's the best. Say it. I'm not going to say he's the best. I said he, I said he won Defensive Player of the Year. Good luck. Good. Which, which Congratulations. Goes which goes to what? He won Defensive Player of the Year, Jeff. Which, go, which goes to what? Defense, he was the best defensive player. defensive player this year. Right. So he's the best. Not the best. He was best, the best this year. He's not the best so overall defensive player. No, you, that's right. You love Ben Simmons who hasn't played a minute this season. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if you would ask me who's a better defender, I'm taking Ben Simmons. That's just my opinion, but nevertheless. Right, Marcus, Marcus Smart's the better defender. He's even guarded bigs at a shorter height. No. Congratulations to Marcus Smart. I gave He's him He's terrific. I gave Listen, him credit. I can't wait till we get the time lord back and we can defend the rim. <laughs> time and some of, maybe some of the blame needs to go to Steve Nash here. Why the hell hasn't he gotten LaMarcus Aldridge? Steve Nash is a yet? horrible coach, okay? He got that job because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving love him. That's the only reason why he got the job. Don't worry, the pa- don't worry. The path is there for the Celtics now, right? Middleton going down. He won't be ready for a month. Will the Celtics get the Bucks in the next round? And they're gonna smash them, probably. Right? And then, and then, and then what? Ma- Milwaukee. There's no guarantees. Milwaukee's getting out of that Chicago series. Right. Tied and one we'll handle Chicago. I'm not scared of Nikola Vucevic, Carl, and his Chicago Bulls. <laughs> right. And then this is the Celtics year. Celtics. It- Start, it could be. Start hyping them up. It could be, but they got to get then, through. Then, they got to get through then. Miami first. They they gonna have to play no, Miami. They, no, no, in the no, Easter Conference Championship. No, no, they actually don't. Why? They actually don't because either Philly or Miami will take out one another. So you can't say, oh, they got to go through Philly or got to go through Miami. No, not necessarily. They might not even have to play Miami next round. They get the Bucks, and then we'll see who comes out. Maybe it's Miami, but maybe. Yeah, it's but Philly. you don't want to go. You you don't want to get through the Bucks. Quickly, and then have to sit and wait for these teams uh, to kill sure, one of another. Sure I do. I'd love to have some rest. Uh, I, sure well, well, I've because seen, you know I've seen a lot right. of teams. I've seen a lot of teams over the years in basketball right. have a significant right. amount of time, and they're not ready for that series. Right, uh, understandable. But you know what? You know what doesn't go like rusty. Like the shooting, you can be off and shooting and have a bad shooting night. 
You know what you can't measure that the Celtics bring every night? Effort, heart. They do it every night, every night. That's why KD's struggling. That's why Kyrie struggled last night. Every night it's effort and heart. And, and what a great TD uh, Garden crowd, huh? How about that crowd? They were in it. <laughs> Carl says, how about Embiid bailing out Doc? Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't, I well, everybody knows what I feel about Doc. I don't have to say, what's up, Doc? He stinks. I, I, I'll tell you this. Doc has always been overrated. When he coached the Boston Celtics, when he went to the he's Clippers, he's a horrible coach. And by the way, when, when the Celtics won that championship, you know who the defensive guy was on the bench? Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, okay? So the, the reason why they were so dominant defensively was because of Tom Thibodeau. I'm done. I know, because Tom Thibodeau made everybody, right? He's a, you know he's the, a good defensive you know who, coach. The, is he when, not? Yeah, is he not? Terrific. Do you know who the defensive player of the year was the year the Celtics won? What, who? A guy that had never been coached by Tom Thibodeau before that was always good defender, Who? Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. So you're going to tell me, oh, um, Tom Thibodeau made Kevin Garnett? No. Did you Kevin ever Did you ever watch the Kevin Gar- Garnett uh, story, the documentary on Showtime when they won the championship? Of course. Okay, you have. And you, yeah. you heard what he said about Tom Thibodeau and how important Tom Thibodeau was to that yeah, defense, that he, right? Yeah, that he's trash, that he's going to end up being a bum with the Knicks. That's not what he said. He, exactly he, he praised Tom Thibodeau on the reason why oh. that defense was one of the best in the league. So please, yeah, Jeff, please, Jeff, yeah. if you watched it, so if, you actually, so if you oh, actually watched it, if you actually watched it, if you actually, listen, I'm, I'm not talking about the Knicks. They had Julius Randle playing defense. Are you kidding me? I've been telling you about Julius Randle. I think he stinks. Okay. So, oh, so there's one guy. So one guy. You love him. You, you, I think he stinks. Because you have one guy that you don't like that you think stinks, right? That that means the rest of the guys need to stink. When Julius Randle, when Julius Randle wasn't in the lineup, go look at the Knicks defense. Just go look. Go look at what the Knicks did when Julius Randle was not in the starting lineup defensively. Just look. Well, it's, better. it's better. It's better. They, they need. They need to. But guess what? Knowing the Knicks and how stupid the organization's this been over the years. This isn't about Thibodeau, and this isn't about Randall. This is about great about Celtics defense. Time to start giving them credit. Go. And you wait till you wait till the Time Lord oh, comes back. The Time Lord, give me a break. Dude, you should be pumped up about this. It's the first time you've ever seen a team. I don't like the good. Celtics. Why am I going to be pumped up about the Celtics? Because they're wearing green and they're good. I, you you haven't seen a team wear green. Oh, good oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do not bring up green because I'm a. Fan, okay. I am tired and, of you mocking. I am so sick and tired of you mocking my teams. Okay, it, it really I'm is. Yes, you this are. You all, all you do is, is mock. Right now, this is great. Good, right good. Now. Maybe you should make love to them. I, I don't know what more to say. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe you should. Maybe you should maybe sleep. Maybe you should get a Tatum jersey and a Jalen Brown. Sew them together and sleep with it as a cover. I don't care what you do with it. Stuck says, is it possible that KD is better than KD? <laughs> I didn't think Embiid had that shot in him. I was impressed. Carl says, why the Sixers want Embiid catching the ball 20 feet beyond the basket is beyond me. Snook says, Jeff is a fine gentleman and pretty much always of right. he does. Yeah. <laughs> so if he, so he wasn't a top five defender, he was the best defender. Listen, I don't care what Snug says, okay? I, I really don't care. Carl says they had sets. Go eat his cupcakes and shut up. Carl says they had sets for Embiid. All game, but twenty feet out instead of five feet away was surprising. Snook says Steve Nash is the best haircut in the NBA. What's surprising about that though? Embiid has always been a pretty decent three point shooter. Yes, people are acting like this is the first three pointer he's ever shot in his life. That's not the case. Right. 
Zuck says, if there's ever a bet made, the loser should have to get the Steve Nash haircut. <laughs> <It'll>, it's <laughs> a long funny. season. A couple days rest goes a long way. Zuck says, was KD the defensive player of the year that year? No, he's never won a defensive player of the year. Is being the Knicks coach the last stop before the D-League? And there isn't really nope. a point about the green. It never thought of that before. Thank you, Snug, for by, your way, amazing not- personality. The, the Steve Nash haircut isn't even like the worst bet. You want the worst haircut bet you can do? Get go. the Tyler Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Manu Ginobili? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mark, Mark Davis might talk. top the top of that one. Fire duck. <laughs> Carl says, I'm talking well, about least, how that game was Davis a lot closer. Because... <laughs> Carl says, I'm talking about how, how that game was a lot closer because Rivers wouldn't put Embiid on the block. Fire duck. I, every time I think of Robin Hood, I think of. Tyler, when I see the movie Robin Hood and Friar Tuck, <laughs> yeah, terrible haircut with the robe on him, with the the belt that can't even go over his stomach. <laughs> right, that's who he is. He's Friar Tuck walking around begging for money, um, big old belly, terrible haircut. Oh, Chris, says, Tyler, Tyler Harrison equals cul-de-sac head. <laughs> poor Tyler, he's and, not here to defend. It won't himself. be long before he's got the Mister Burns. <laughs> We're still waiting for our Iowa State. Yeah, NFL I don't draft know where he back. is. I honestly thought it's Central Time. I don't know. But, did you did you text him? Yes, I messaged him three about, times. I haven't gotten the response. But this is all about good Celtics tonight. And you want to know why the Celtics are winning? Oh, look, uh, whistles everywhere. Smart's got to sit because of fouls. Uh, Derek White's got to sit because of fouls. All these guys go to the bench. You know who's the, the best team off the bench? We got Peyton Pritchard coming off the oh, bench. God. We Can we get Daniel off this, Price please? All right, I'm done. I'm done with the Boston Celtics. Could you stop? I mean, like you, seriously. Are you kidding? We spent a half an hour on the Boston lightning? Celtics. You don't this, want to talk about white lightning? This is not a Boston Red Sox. I mean, a Boston <laughs> Celtics radio show. Okay. It, it's you're right. It's not. It's about. It's the worldwide sports radio. Network. That's right. About, and we've been talking talk about, about Boston. They, and they talk about the best teams in the best sports. And so we're talking the best team in the best sport. And that's the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Let's get into the Miami and Atlanta series. And and by the way, I don't know what's going on with Trey Young. Maybe he's playing hurt. I, I I don't know what's going on with this team. And. They're not getting enough offense, and Miami's shutting them down. And I expected Miami to be the better team. They're the better overall defensive team. Uh, obviously, obviously, a Pat Riley disciple uh, over there in in Miami. You would think, you would think more with this this Atlanta team offensively. They like last year they went all the way to the Eastern Conference champion. I'm not the Eastern Conference champion. They went to the second round. Uh, they were playing great basketball and. And Trey Young this year is just not the same Trey Young, Speedy. I, I don't know what's going on with him. He looks like he's lost. And I understand that they're double teaming him and they're triple teaming him. Game number two, he what? He scored 16 points? Yeah. And, and six rebounds and five. You can't win this series when you have Jimmy Butler scoring 33, 5, and 4. It, it, there's no way. You need Trey Young scoring 40 points and outscoring the top scorer for this Miami team. And Jimmy Butler. Say whatever you want about him. He is a great playoff player. He's always been a great playoff player. He's he's one of the best shutdown defenders at the perimeter. And you're seeing what Jimmy Butler could do. And Miami could be very much unstoppable if, if, if they can get through, yes, your Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks. So there you go. Yeah, but, did you, but did you ever stop to consider to think that, that maybe Trey Young's success is because 
you know, he's playing a four, like, you know, it's dependent on who he's playing. Like this year, he's playing a very tough team in the heat. Like they have good defenders. Tyler Hero's probably going to be the sixth man of the year, I would think, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So they, they got a lot of really talented guys over there. I mean, Trey Young only was good last year because he lit it up against the Knicks. No, he did well against Philly, too. Bum franchise, right? So, so he does good against bum franchise, <clears throat> Philly and the Knicks. And then when he plays teams like the There he goes, attacking the Knicks. He loves doing that, I, but... I'm not attacking the Knicks. Uh, the, the Knicks, I'm saying... They're, they're good they're all over... Listen, Miami's good all over the board. I mean, they have Duncan Robertson. He's a good offensive player. They have Kyle, Kyle Lowry, who's a great playoff player, too, with the Toronto, Toronto Raptors, and now with Miami... PJ Tucker. I, I mean, this is this is a good Bam on a bio. This is a really good team. The, the, and by the way, they're missing a couple of players that haven't played this year. So uh, I, I think really Miami is, is set and as good as any team right now in the playoffs. And if they can play team defense though, as well as they have really in the second half of the season, they're going to be a very hard team to beat. They're very hard out. And Jimmy Butler has been he's really been one of the better players in the NBA. The last two, three weeks of the season. Yeah, he's getting scoring, too, like potent scoring. He's not just distributing now. He had 45 points in game one, too, to go along with the, the, his game he's two. He's awesome dominance. in the playoffs. Yeah. He's he, always been an awesome He player. turns it up a notch when it comes to scoring, too, which was, just not, like LeBron does. which was not his forte. Yeah. The Heat were going throughout the season a lot like you were saying with the Celtics, Jeff. They had Sharing all these the guys with seven different double-digit scores. Like, one guy would lead it. One game would be Hero. One game would be Butler. One game would be Lowry. But it was always somebody different. And there wasn't this obvious, like, volume-potent scorer. And now they're getting that now with Jimmy Butler, too. In addition to all that great depth. And the way they've managed injuries this year has really been tremendous, too. And getting those guys the confidence they need. That's half of what you're talking about, right? Is, like, I think think that you guys are talking about what's making some of these teams successful and Mm -hmm. also ignoring it at the same time. How are we ignoring it? Hold on, you're complaining about KD and Kyrie. What, I'm not complaining about oh, nothing. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> they don't have any help. They, you, you were saying, oh. Don't you don't need help, they Jeff. Dude, they need, they need Oh, help, come right? on. Jeff, Jeff. You, LeBron James, over the years, has taken really bad teams to end Eastern Conference Championships and NBA Finals, okay? Didn't win, right, but took but, took them there. Don't tell right, me that KD no, and Kyrie no. Irving couldn't win this series if both of them score 30 points a game. Both right, of these right. guys should be scoring 30 points a game. Right, but this is, but this is the, the trouble that they're having, is the defense is effective against those guys right now because they don't have anyone to throw it to. Right? Like, LeBron, when he was winning championships, because he passed to Ray Allen, right? Because he had other guys to throw it to. He needs at least a threat of someone that can score. Like, like you were saying, Bruce Brown is not going to get it done. And and and, and I'm, I'm by the way I'm sorry to cut you off Jeff I'm reading what Carl's saying Wait Errol you said you didn't like uh, Miami's bench I don't like their bench because they're missing a player a significant offensive player this year but they're playing good in this series their their starting lineup is as good as any lineup in basketball right now I don't trust their bench and when they start to play good defensive teams like AK the Celtics they're gonna have problems but. But they they're are, far, but they're far deeper than the than than the Nets are. The Nets don't have anyone. To, first of all, they barely have all a starting right, lineup. All they right, have no all one. Right, let, 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 let's honestly, besides PJ Tucker, okay, what what really stands out on this team on the bench? Gabe Vincent, Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero, Tyler Heroes, Tyler Hero, and PJ Tucker. That's it. That that's wow. it. Six man of the year. PJ Tucker year, and Tyler Hero. That's it. 
That's it. Those are the guys. Are you going to you going to trust Caleb Martin? How about this? How about uh let's see. Hayward Highsmith. Omar U7. I mean, are you, you going to trust these guys? Come on, guys. This is not a great bench. And Duncan Robinson is a partially a starter. He starts a lot of these games. He's not a bench player. He started last game. So he, Where's he, Oladipo? Is Oladipo he's out? Hurt. He's, he's hurt. hurt. He's, he's hurt. hurt. Yeah. Udonis Haslam's not bad. Yeah, Haslam, he, he, didn't play, he didn't play in game two. He's not even on the roster. He didn't play in game two. He's not even on the roster. And neither and did Marcus nothing, Morris. And not for nothing, you won't mention him because you don't probably going to go, oh, he's a bomber. You're going to be able to not. Dude, Max Struess can play. Yeah, he, he's actually been player. one of the best second-half players for them. The fact is, when you look at their bench, this is not a deep bench. Miami doesn't have a deep bench. Uh, just like you said, but Victor. Have, if Victor Oladipo was on this team, if Victor Oladipo, and he might be back in the playoffs, they said he could be back in the yeah. second round. If he comes back in the second round, Miami's dangerous. Because you're going to get Victor Oladipo off the bench with Tyler Hero and P.J. Tucker. That's a pretty good off-the-bench type of player. But if, if Oladipo's not playing, I, they don't have a good bench. They don't have enough depth to play the Celtics or play Milwaukee. And, and listen, Middleton will be back in, a lot quicker than people say he is. Because this is the playoffs. This is the regular season. He's, if he can stand on his two feet and he can shoot a three, he'll be back in this game no matter if he's hurt or not. Carl says, uh, Duncan Robinson, go defend Duncan Robinson. Snuck I says, say I, w- I could. Snuck says, how I'm not deep an NBA you- <laughs> player. Why would I defend him? How, Snuck says, how deep do you want him to go into the bench in the playoffs? Seven deep is pretty normal. Yes, but Miami's done eight or nine consistently, especially in the second half of the season because they've had all these other injuries to their top players. And Carl says, wow, Memphis came all the I way back. That, yeah. yeah that, no, they, they were down as many as 25 in the second half. And the Utah and Jazz series, I mean, the Utah Jazz series and the Dallas Mavericks, series this is going to be an interesting series it's going to be an interesting series and we're we're gonna we have another call i'm gonna bring him in Uh, i have a feeling i know who he is mr chicago what's going on bud everybody's all giddy because nikola Jokic is getting beat up in the playoffs they're all saying i see i told you i told you he shouldn't have been mvp i told you playing with g league players against a team firing on all cylinders this dude, Aaron Gordon's airballing 10-foot fadeaways, and everybody's piling on how giddy and happy seeing them lose. Just pathetic. They're just, um, the past two years, Nikola Jokic shook up the league. If They hate seeing somebody look like Nikola Jokic if Denver, dominate. If Denver could win game number three, they're saying that Murray could be back, and so could Porter. If both those guys come back in this series, it will not be an easy rest of the series for Golden State to win. They got to win game number three. They're saying that, it, that there's a good chance that Murray and Porter could be back for game four. So they, if they lose game number three, the series is over. So Nicole Jokic, the Joker, he needs to he needs to score 40, 45 points in that game for they ha- for them to even have a chance in that in that series. Murray ain't coming back. He, he's scared. He's traumatized. From Murray's the not. Come on, he, Murray's not come scared, on, man. <laughs> Murray was he's the. Traumatized Murray's one of the be- more. The, Murray's one of the more underrated point guards in the NBA. And when he was in the playoffs, scared. No, he's not. No, I wouldn't go no, as far as scared. What, what indication he of was, they he's are already scared to play? He's cleared to play. Uh, he's been cleared to play. This is all on him. Like the trainers, that's what they said. Like he, it's it was whenever he's ready. It's whenever he's ready. So it's just a let me ask you thing. a question. Let me ask you a question, bro. 
You tear your ACL, okay? Have you ever torn your ACL? No. Okay, so you've never torn your ACL. I know a lot of people that have torn the ACL. I've, I had a labrum surgery in my hip. I've had neck surgery in my neck, okay? When you come back from an ACL, sur- you know, ACL injury, once you step on a court, it, it's not only that you're afraid. You're afraid that knee's going to give again. Okay, I was cleared to do certain things, but when I'm trying, if I think to run or try to move in a certain body, in a certain way, because I'm a 225 pound guy with a lot of muscle, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to tear that labrum again. So Hmm. it is scary. I'm. What happened? Not that I laughed. I laughed when you said you had a lot of muscle. I do. I have a hundred. I'm 225 pounds, bro. And I have 162 pounds of muscle. You do the math there if you don't think it's a lot of a lot of muscle. Okay? So I'm just breaking your balls. I know. I know, I know. But, but what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to say is when you're in, when you're coming back from a major injury like that and you have to understand that, you're going to get scared when you have to run at full speed, when you have to trade you have to chase Jordan Poole around or Seth Curry around. I, I mean That's what I said. I said he's scared. That's not you scared. I'm not saying scared. He, he's 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 scared to hurt himself. He's not scared of them. He's scared to hurt himself. So I didn't say what he was scared of. I oh. said he's scared. Well, it and sounds he's like scared. you sound like he's scared of the, the the Golden State Warriors. He's not scared of. Them. No, he he's scared of getting hurt again. I would be. I would be is. too. I would be too. I would very much be and too. Who says the approach wasn't all right? Let's try to steal one in Golden State and then try to weather the storm from there once they go home too. So they might have been factoring they could steal game one or game two and trying to win it without Jamal Murray because of the way their depth has played throughout the year, too. And remember, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they weren't, they're not 100% either, so both teams were battling the injury. And oh, the that's Golden State bull. just managed it. That's better. bull. Seth Curry's 100% healthy. He was always 100% healthy. And the fact that he came back in game number one, and I'm reading all the things that people say, look, Seth is playing hurt. He's not playing hurt. He's 100% healthy. He wouldn't be in this game. And they don't need Seth Curry to win this series the way this series is going. They can play with Jordan Poole and Clay Matthews and all the other guys on this team, Wiggins, and they would win this series without Steph Curry. Okay? that's Because right now, you're right. Denver is a, a G League team right now. They have one great player, and the rest of the players, uh-uh. But if, if they get Porter back and they get Murray back, this team is not going to be an easy out because they, they could steal one, two, maybe even three games in this series. Whole so, roster full of bums. Oh, you know it's not true. You know it's not true, Jeff. They're, they, not, they're not as talented as Boston. Shocking how bad <laughs> there he goes with Boston. these guys are. It's, it's, it's shocking the how way, bad his teammates are. They can't even hit a basic jump shot. Like, brick it off the backboard. <laughs> And also, uh, this Philadelphia series, by the way, guys, and, and, and uh, I, I didn't think this series was going to be anywhere close. Uh, all right? Uh, Toronto is not the same Toronto that won a championship a couple of years ago. Siakam's a great player. That's their, he's their only good player on that team. Uh, who's the point guard on that team? Um, Van Vliet. Van Vliet. Van Vliet. Van Vliet who, who hasn't been healthy. He's a good player. He, he's he's a, come on. He's, he's a good player. He's, yes, a, he he's a great player. But he hasn't been healthy all season long. Van Vliet. Uh, Van Vliet. Uh, Van Vliet. Uh, whatever his name is. Just a double V. Yeah. A little more for you. Van Vliet. Whatever his name is. He... The kid, I remember when he played college basketball. I remember when he came into the league and he liked the league on fire and, and he was a big Oh, yeah. Part. Where did he play his college basketball? Wichita State. Yo, no, Speedy C, you ruined it because Errol didn't know. This guy, this guy just, he just, 
He loves loves to piss me off, doesn't he? He he just really loves to piss me off. I'm sitting here. I I I, I need a gun, okay? Does anybody have a shotgun so I could go hunting for a guy named Jeff? Okay, it's. I mean, seriously. Anyways, we got a zookeeper coming out. We don't need to harm animals. You, yeah. you, 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 you would have no shot of getting to me. I would go to the TD Garden and I'd have the there best goes, defense in front of me. Again. The best defense. Yeah, they're gonna block a shotgun. You didn't even mention the Chicago Bulls. You didn't even mention. That's that. I did. He did mention That's the Chicago Bulls. Yes, I did. Man. Carl had to make listening? it abundantly clear about how wrong I was with Demar Derozan. Yes, we did. We mentioned them. No. Please, you, the Bulls shouldn't even it be in this conversation. They're going to get slapped insane. around and be that out in no game. time at all. The Bulls Who the cares about most Chicago? exciting team in sports right now. The best camaraderie. They got <laughs> everything. They got the Bulls star. <laughs> they got the Caruso, the glue guy. They got the center. They, they got the Levine, the athletic, um, flashy. Dude. It's like everything's coming together. They got listen, all the pieces listen, to make a run. The only way Chicago wins this series is the only reason why Chicago might win this series is because Middleton got hurt yesterday. That's it. If Middleton didn't get hurt, they don't have a chance in this series. But please, now they do. Please now let they Chicago do. take out Milwaukee. It'll make it even two right now. What's that going to be a two game series right now with Middleton? Listen, oh, please let Chicago win. Jeff, Jeff's on the other line, and you can't hear him, and he can't hear you. But I, Jeff is saying, please let Chicago beat Milwaukee because it'll be an easy series for Boston when they get through with the Brooklyn Nets. Who, so, who, who's, who should Boston fear? Nikola Vukovic? I can't lie, Boston's the dude doesn't good. even have a vowel in Boston's his entire good, name. But Nikola, Nikola, I am not coming out them booze. Before, before I go to great break, I'll just read some of the other uh, last comments. Carl says, uh, Derek Rose didn't get his confidence back, then got hurt the second time. <laughs> yes, Carl, the Shockers. Snuck says, OMG, this is the beef of the Bulls. Ben says, the, the Timberwolves. The <laughs> ben says, the Timberwolves are crumbling against Memphis. Uh... And Carl says, who is this guy? Bulls aren't better. They need Lonzo Ball back. Oh, God. Dub. Bulls. I love Bulls fans. Like, Kevin all Durant. of a sudden, coming he's out of nowhere, thinking his team is cow. good because because Jordan Rose made two baskets. I was watching the game finals. and it was, he was just melting. They should have their own show, Jeff and him. <laughs> Jeff and Kevin. Oh, be Kevin and Jeff quite show. A, that'd be quite a combination. Anyways, Kev, thank you for calling. Jeff, you can call back later. Both of you can call back Unbelievable. later. Unbelievable. Chicago bums. That'll be good. <laughs> right. of the Keep bulls listening, is the bro. I am. You know it. Yes. All right, bro. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Matt, we got Matt Price waiting to come on. Jeff, we'll be talking to you soon. I'm sure he'll be calling up, causing more problems and causing more trouble because his Celtics are right now. Uh, have a 2-0 lead and looks like they're going to get through, you know, the Brooklyn Nets pretty pretty efficient. So, anyways, when we come back, we'll be talking to Dynasty League football senior writer, Matt, the zookeeper, Price, here on the Sports Lab House. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631 672 3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wow, man. Some phlegm. I'll tell you, it's, it's crazy right now. If you have COVID right now, it's like a cold. 
And if you have it, you gotta sit. You gotta sit in your house, and you gotta wait. Your brother had COVID. Yep, he wasn't he, bad, right? He's, yeah, he's better now, thankfully. It wasn't. It wasn't bad at all, right? Yep, it was not bad at all. It was like he a had, cold, right? Yeah, yep. He had the symptoms just all of really last week. He's better now. They're actually on their way to Boston now. now look at that. Your your family's having fun. They're going to Boston and watching the the crummy Boston Bruins play the crummy New York Rangers. <laughs> Too bad my crummy team hasn't even made the playoffs this year. So, anyways. Uh, our first guest, we are now talking to Dynasty League football senior writer, Matt, the Zookeeper Price. What's going on, Matt? Not much, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to talk some some NFL stuff with you guys. Absolutely. And we were about to get an, uh, a future NFL prospect on the show, but he decided to think that this is a central time show. And uh, oh, you got big time, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, what could I say? I'm just not. <laughs> we're, we're just not getting any luck. We're, we're dealing with everybody else and all the different, uh, you know directors or ESPN directors or whoever is listening to the show right now as we speak. Anyway, so why don't we get into it? Where did you get your name, Matt the Zookeeper Price? Well, I wouldn't say that's really my name. I mean, uh, the zookeeper is just my profession. So oh, yeah. I, I, I go with it as kind of like my brand or whatever, you know, for, on, on Twitter. Uh, it's, people know know me about know, know, know me for the zookeeping part, and then they know me about the dynasty fantasy football stuff. So it's just kind of a incorporating my real life into my, you know, my, I guess not my, my fantasy life. <laughs> so how do we become a zookeeper, my friend? Uh I mean, it's it's a really tough industry to, to get into. There's lots of ways to get into it. Uh, I went to a four-year school, got an internship right out of college, and 22 years later, here I am. Um, you can do it by volunteering and getting hired. You know, you really need some kind of life science background, uh, work at volunteer at animal shelters, that kind of stuff, just something to get put on a resume and, and, and throw in there just cause it's a really competitive field. You so know, if it, you can imagine lots and lots of people want to take care of animals. As everybody knows, we are talking to dynasty league football, senior writer, Matt, the zookeeper price. And it's so funny that you say a zookeeper because now, now that I know that you're a zookeeper, I could just tell everybody I'm a veterinarian or a partial assistant <laughs> veterinarian. And then I could go to the Bronx there Zoo and go. say, could I be the zookeeper here? You know, could I take care of the bears or the chickens or the, the tigers and lions and bears? I don't know. Anyways, uh, why don't we get into some football conversation, okay? Because uh, over the last couple of days, Debo Samuel doesn't seem like he's very happy over there in San Francisco. There are stories coming out from San Francisco that he has gone to the management and said that he wants to be traded. And now, uh, a week from the draft, there are quite a few teams actually making offers to San Francisco what are your thoughts to this Debo Samuel situation? And do you think he gets traded before the draft? I mean, it's the fault of all of these crazy wide receiver contracts that have come out. And, you know, you don't really see these wide receivers getting a lot of negotiations in, when they're still in their rookie contract. But, I mean, when you pay Christian Kirk $70 million a contract, and then you've got Devontae Adams and Tyreek signing massive deals, you know, these guys are, are ready to say – let's lock me up. Let's, let's get me paid before I, I go out and test the open market. You know, they don't want to get franchise tagged. They want a long-term deal. So uh, I understand where Debo's at. I think he deserves it uh, in terms of like, you know, where he could go. I think the jets are, I think they're the betting odds favorite right now. So probably that seems likely. Also, yeah. yeah. They've got the connection between Robert Sala and 
you know, the previous his previous stint with with 49ers. So that seems like a likely spot. I don't really think it gets done, though. It seems like the 49ers are pretty intent on keeping him. You know, maybe that causes him to sit out through training camp, you know, all of the boring stuff. He's a veteran now. He's been through the offseason. He knows. Uh, the, the drill when it comes to that. So he doesn't necessarily need to be there. Right. So this could all be a ploy, you know, obviously he does want to get paid. Obviously he probably, I mean, I don't know who knows where, where his head, I would say he probably doesn't want to get traded. He just wants to get paid by the 49ers. So we'll just have to see if that happens. So he's come out and said also that he doesn't want to be used as a quote unquote hybrid wide receiver running back anymore, which I, I guess is most of the frustration with why he was annoyed with the 49ers organization. But even if he does get traded, do you still see whoever he gets traded to using him in that kind of role too? I mean, I think it requires a, a a creative coaching staff to do it. If he goes to the Jets, for instance, certainly they could they could replicate what they did with Debo. So, uh, I mean, but any team that's trading for him probably wants Debo to be happy. And if that's what's making him happy, then I would assume not. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to do what's the best for the team. If the best for the team is for the Debo to run, you know, five six times up the middle, then that's how he's going to be used. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty League football senior writer, Matt, the zookeeper price. Um, so why don't we get into this uh, week's draft? And obviously, Baker Mayfield is being dangled around. Uh, there are stories coming out from Cleveland. Uh, they're not uh, like a week ago. They were saying that they were not trading him less for less than a first round draft pick. Now you're hearing they'll they'll be interested in possibly giving, you know, taking a second and maybe a fifth or a fourth round draft pick. What are your thoughts to Baker Mayfield going into the draft? Do you think Baker gets traded? I, I, I really don't have a great handle on this particular situation. There's only a couple of good landing spots out there. Are they really going to want to trade, not only give up draft capital to go get Baker Mayfield, but then turn around and have to pay him a ton of money rather than draft uh, one of these rookies in the first round uh, somewhere, you know? So I don't know if, if they come with the right deal, I can see Cleveland doing it. I just don't see the spot. Like Carolina doesn't seem interested. Seattle doesn't seem interested. You know, maybe he goes and backs somebody up. Maybe he goes and competes in, in, uh, in, in, in New Orleans or something like that. You know, they acquired an extra draft pick, presumably to go get a quarterback. And maybe they decide they want to go that way and, and draft two uh, complimentary players for a new quarterback or, or Jameis coming back off an injury. So it's really difficult to say. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of interest from the league. Uh, right now. Um, and, and the fact that they keep lowering their price tag like that kind of speaks to that. I, I feel so bad for Baker Mayfield. I really I do. do. I, I really I do. do. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Baker, but I'm starting to become a big fan of his because uh, now people are really pressing, saying that he's not, he's worthless. He's good for nothing. The Browns fans practically kicked him to the, you know, kicked him to the wolves. Uh, this is like the same guy that was one play away from taking his team to an AFC title game and maybe a Super Bowl. Uh, that was the same year that Kansas City uh, went to the Super Bowl against Tampa, obviously. But they still could have maybe they gave they they could have given Tampa a better a better opportunity, uh, a better chance to win than obviously the um, Chiefs. The Chiefs. So yeah, uh, I just you know, I feel bad for the kid. I really do. I, I do too, and I think he did, did himself no favors by playing with that torn labor. I think it was torn in like the second half of the week one or week week two, or anyway, earlier in the season. Instead of just like getting healthy, he continued to tough tough it out and keep playing, which is probably what the coaching staff wanted him to do. And I think clearly it affected his play on the field. If you go back just a year ago, uh, the, the previous season of twenty twenty, and he looked like a completely different quarterback, uh, and it was the same system. So. 
Uh, it's unfortunate that, that I think that injury really affected his play, and now he, it's got him in this situation. And also, his wife speaking on social media doesn't really help this situation either. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely not. All the commercials, you oh know, it God. just makes him a little bit of a, a, a laughing stock, I guess. But, I feel so bad. Uh, I feel and, bad, too. Yeah, and, and by the way, his jersey was a top five selling jersey this year, and now all of a sudden he's going to be a backup somewhere? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's, it's a shame. And the Cleveland fans out there should be ashamed of themselves. They really should because they finally had a quarterback that they drew drafted uh, that they really built to be their quarterback of the future. And now all of a sudden you throw him to the wolves because you want Deshaun Watson, who by the way, hasn't played on a football field for two years. So good luck on that. And I think Deshaun's a great player. At one point, I thought he was the best quarterback in the league before he, uh, this whole situation happened. But Deshaun being that you haven't been on the field for two years, that's a long time time yeah and baker wanted to play in cleveland he wanted to be there too that's the heartbreaking part he wanted to play for those fans so it's it's really too bad this happened to him so another quarterback that's been in rumors lately has been kyler murray uh, rumor says he wants 40 million dollars a year and the cardinals aren't willing to give him then steve kime comes out and says today and says that they're not trading him so do you think he ends up getting traded and if so where could you see a fit for him as talented as he is i i can't i i can't imagine baker's getting traded he's gonna he's gonna cost he's gonna cost uh, kyler murray that. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. For future first, like like there's no way they're trading Kyler Murray. I, I would hesitate to even speculate where he could land. Any any almost any team, you know, uh below the 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 replacement level quarterback Meridian would be interested in Kyler, and maybe plenty in the top, you know, twelve uh would be interested in Kyler. I mean the the NFC quarterback perspective is 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 rough right now outside of Brady and Rodgers and, and a few other guys, right? So there would be a a, a million suitors for for Kyler Murray if he was actually available. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty League football senior writer Matt, the zookeeper Price. So, Matt, you look at this draft right now, the top ten. Everybody keeps talking about Hutchinson possibly going one. I watched a couple documentaries of Thibodeau and how some people say Thibodeau could fall all the way to ten, maybe even eleven, which makes absolutely no sense where, where he was a top talent going from high school, top two talent. He goes to college football. He dominated college football for three years, and people are still saying that this guy is not going to be a good NFL player. Are you a, are you surprised that Kevon Thibodeau is, is looked at as not one of the top prospects in this year's draft by all these elite, elite drafts, draft people out there? No, I think he's absolutely one of the, you know, this is a fantastic year for, for edge players and pass rushers in general. Uh, and, and Thibodeau is right there with them. So uh, right there at the top of the, you know, there wasn't, wasn't more than a month or two ago where we were talking about as a contender for the one or two, number one or number two overall pick. So I think some of his off the field stuff, you know, uh, you know, his quote unquote attitude, his demeanor, whatever you want to call it has, has affected the way front offices maybe feel about him. And that's, that's probably the wrong, the wrong, the wrong path. Right. So I still fully expect him to be like a top five, top seven kind of, kind of pick. Uh, and not really fall out of that first first uh, top ten. So being you're a guy that studies dynasty fantasy football, obviously these wide receivers are getting a lot of traction, especially with the fantasy Twitter. There's a debate on who the yep. best one is going to be. So where do you stand on on these wide receivers, and when do you think the run in the first round could start for the wide receivers? I think it starts at ten at a at, at the latest with the Jets. You know, I think they're clearly looking for somebody. They've shown interest in Debo. They showed interest in Tyreek Hill before. Uh, he chose the the dolphin, so the, it seems like they are clearly in play there. Uh, so, I, and this this wide receiver class is very very good. Like I think it's six to seven deep. I think that many, at least six, 
uh, goes in the first round. Uh, and it's, and it's such an interesting class too, because do you want, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot, there's not a lot of size in this draft outside of, of, of guys like Drake London, but there are a lot of players like Garris Wilson who runs great routes, who, who shows incredible body control and, and can catch the ball and at any possible angle. That seems to be to me, the, one of the favorites to go, one of those two guys, uh, I would prefer, uh, Garrett Wilson out of, out of those two, just cause I think he can win in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I see some separation issues potentially with Drake. Drake London at the next level. Um, but yeah, the, this receiver class is, I mean, I can go on and on about any of these guys if you want to uh, get kind of more fine-tuned information on them. But these top six to seven, at least, that are going to see first-round capital, I think are going to be really good NFL players. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty League football senior writer Matt, the zookeeper price. Uh, we, we've been talking about Sauce Gardner really for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's been one of the best shutdown corners in the last four years in college football. What are your thoughts on Sauce? Some people say the Texans could draft him at three. Uh, another, uh, another have said the Giants, if he's sitting there at seven, the Giants could draft him. Do you think that this guy could be the elite type corner like our Jalen Ramsey, Darrell Revis, uh, Sherman type of guy, or Peters, Peterson? Is he that type, of go- that type of player in this year's draft? Yeah, I think he definitely warrants top five upside uh, in this as a top five pick in this draft. You know, with the league trending towards passing, uh, you know, more and more the, the running backs. We we joke now that running backs don't matter. You know, they, that's not necessarily true, but clearly the, the passing is what's winning, winning in the NFL right now. And and you need players that can stop it, either creating pressure along the front or or being able to defend from the back, and preferably both. And and Gardner gives will give whoever drafts them. Houston, I think, would be a great pick. You know, it's a team that needs literally everything i would say um so acquiring a shutdown corner like like sauce gardner would really go a long way to helping you know jumpstart that defense and and get that side of the ball going for lovey smith so we were talking about at the beginning of the show all the teams that have multiple first round picks i think there's six teams right now the texans probably wouldn't need to trade up to do that but can you see scenarios even with this not being a heavy quarterback class where you could see some of those teams trade up for either an offensive lineman or one of those top receivers uh, I think there's going to be a, a lot of movement in this class, you know, and, and I think I think one of the reasons for that is because, you know, outside of a couple of positions, defensive end um, and, and defensive back, you know, come to mind. You know, this is largely considered a pretty weak class, so it's not going to cost nearly as much to move up to, you know, the top 12 or so as it would in past seasons where we had, you know, 20, 25, like locked in first round kind of guys. This 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 year, you've heard anywhere from, you know, fifth, like 10 to 15 guys that would be uh, really locked in in the first round in a, in a lot of classes. So I think teams are going to be more willing to move down to that because the tiers between those players are a lot flatter. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of movement coming up. Again, we are talking to Dynasty League football senior writer, Matt, the zookeeper price. Uh, Matt, we, we've talked about the pass rushers, but we haven't talked about the offensive linemen. And uh, we've heard that Evan Neal might fall to five. As good as he is, and a lot of people thought he was going to go one to the Jaguars. Now the Jaguars, uh, they added Robinson. Or was it Robinson? They franchise tag Robinson. And Robinson. they added Brandon Scherf. Right. Agency. So they brought Scherf in. So now they're thinking about going after Hutchinson, and now they're saying the Lions might be looking for either a corner or maybe uh, a pass rusher. So the, 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 nobody is nobody's really giving Evan Neal that respect where a lot of people thought he was the best offensive lineman in this year's draft. Could you imagine, did you have any thought in your mind that Evan Neal would possibly fall to five or six in this year's draft? 
I mean, I think I, I thought for a long time it was going to be three. Like that's, and I know we've gotten the news recently that they're uh, perhaps interested in Gardner, and he's gone in a lot of recent mock drafts. Um, but you know, originally I thought Evan Neal was the pick. If you're going to go with 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 um, uh, Davis Mills at quarterback and really continue to see what you have with this this kid that they've they did not really invest very much in in last year's draft, then like why wouldn't you want to protect him with the top uh, offensive lineman in the draft? So uh, I would be very surprised if he makes it out of that top four range. If he makes it to five, I think that team is, is absolutely I can't, getting a steal with him. I can't yeah. see the Jets drafting him. I, I can't with with everything that they did on that yeah. line uh, with Font and Mackay Beckham coming back, Austin. I, I mean Austin. Uh, I mean Elijah Veritaka, where they moved over there to the 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 uh, right side of the ball, and now they brought Tomlinson. I can't see them bringing in it in Evan Neal unless they're trading George Font, which could happen, and they they solidify. I, mean, I just can't see it. I mean, fan fan is he's fine, but like he you know he wasn't even that great in Seattle, and that was. But he had a good season this year. He was a top. Yeah, he's fine. He was a top eleven tackle in the league the last year. Oh wow, I did not. Yeah, didn't know that. He was a top eleven in the league last year. He he actually. That's why they're thinking about moving Makai Beckham to the right side, which I don't. That would be a big mistake for the Jets. But and by the way, to the Jet fans, all all the Jet fans that keep posting trade trade Makai Beckham. This man, his rookie season was a top six tackle in all of football. Top six in every single category, pass rush, run stopping, everything. I mean, running the ball, every single thing. He was a top six player, and now all of a sudden, because he got hurt in the beginning of the year and missed the whole season, he's fat, he's slow, he's no good. Meanwhile, about a year before that, he was one of the best tackles in the league. Jet fans need to shut up because this has been a big problem to this organization. I am a Jet fan. It's a big problem to this organization and where this organization goes because they have absolutely no idea who's good and who's bad. Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> I just had to say that. No, please. So, obviously, this isn't a big name quarterback draft, but is there any one that you like in particular and is maybe even a landing spot that you think would work for any of these quarterbacks? Yeah, I think – None of these quarterbacks are the perfect prospect. Although last year we had a perfect prospect, you know, in, in Trevor Lawrence, and and we we see where he's at right now. You know, no, we're not giving up on him, but he certainly did not just come in and light the world on fire. Um, so for these guys, I mean, it depends on where you're, where, how you're thinking about it. For fantasy purposes, Malik Willis is the only one that I'm really interested in, uh, just because of what he can do with, uh, on the ground with his legs. He's 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 a running back basically with a ball in his hands. The he's got an effortless deep ball. He actually uh, at the senior bowl, they do this test where it's basically how hard or how fast you can throw the ball. He broke Josh Allen's throw speed by nine miles per hour. He threw the ball 75.7 miles per hour at the senior bowl. This kid has a very, very strong arm, a cannon for an arm, and he can run around and make plays. Now that might drive an offensive co- uh, a coordinator absolutely crazy. And we'll see if he can translate those skills to the NFL. But in terms of highest upside, I think it's him. In terms of the safest quarterback, I think it's pretty easily Kenny Pickett. It, uh, just, you know, lots and lots of starts. He's an older quarterback with lots of experience, finally put it all together his senior season. Uh, and, you know, his upside certainly isn't great. You know, I mean, depending on how things go, we, we saw the same thing with Justin Herbert, right? We thought that he was kind of a, a milk toast quarterback and then it turns out the system was just holding him back. So maybe something like that with Kenny Pickett. Uh, but you see somebody that has an upside of like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, that kind of range, which, you know, is a good NFL quarterback. But yet we've yet to see those guys really 
really uh, uh, take their teams to the to the Super Bowl. I so, think um, Seattle sitting there at nine. Uh, there's a very good chance uh, Malik could be. That would be the, yes. Could that would be, be nice, yeah, because then they could just Kirby Carroll could just run literally yeah. every play. He doesn't have to throw the ball ever. <laughs> right. Just what he wants to do, and, right? So. Yes, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And he he's kind of like I mean he's not as efficient as a like a Russell Wilson, but he's a guy that could absolutely turn into a Russell Wilson type of player. He's got a gun for an arm. He can run inside and outside of the pocket. He could do all the things that Russell Wilson could do. He's not Russell Wilson, and I don't think he is. But who knows? Maybe they they catch yeah. lightning in a bottle. They did with Russell Wilson. And he could certainly, and he could certainly, uh, you know, make uh, DK Metcalf a, a, a superstar uh, yeah. with that deep ball. So uh, there's 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 a lot of upside to having Malik Willis in Seattle. I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, and, oh, sorry. God, God. I was going to say, uh, if you had to make a bold prediction of the draft next week, what would it be, and why? Ah, uh, man. I'm going to say less than three quarterbacks go in the first round. Hmm. Uh, I'm just not sure how how excited the NFL is about this class. There isn't a lot of great landing spots. I think almost all of them, with the exception of, you know, pot- potentially um, I'm blanking on the team right now, Atlanta, something like that, uh, would, would have an immediate need for a starting quarterback. I think all of these guys are probably going to sit for a large portion of the rookie season, if not the entire rookie season. You want to hear my bold prediction? Here's my bold prediction. Everybody keeps talking about Sauce Gardner. I say Stingley comes off the board before he does. Yeah, I've heard that rumor too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it could absolutely happen. I, I do because a lot of people – Remember, he played against Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase says he. Jamar Chase the other day said that Stingley is by far the best corner in this year's draft. So he, when you're hearing it from Jamar Chase and what he did this year, I, maybe he's not lying. He's he's really interesting because he's kind of the the defensive version of of somebody like uh, George Pickens, or I guess not quite Jamison Williams. He played the entire season, but these guys that are coming off of of serious injury, you can throw Justin Ross into that. Uh, group and we're not sure if they can get back up to their ultimate upside but if they do they're obviously going to be a hell of a player so I like that call yeah I'm going to be very interested to see what happens in the draft before we let you go um what when you look at all these teams and you look at like we used to look at the draft to keep these draft picks it's like sacred It, it really is over the last couple of years teams are just throwing away first round draft picks it really first rounds are not uh, the draft, you know, the, the draft picks that anybody cares about. It's usually uh, where you find your players is the second, third, and fourth rounds. Are you surprised that teams are just throwing away first round draft picks like they've been doing over the last couple of years? I think they really, it really depends on the class. I think it's happened way more this year. I also think that, you know, teams are realizing that they can build through free agency. We just saw the Rams do it. Uh, you know, we largely saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do it, you know, bringing in Tom Brady and and, and those other guys. So uh, I just think it's another way to play this game. And, you know, we kind of go in cycles. You know, if you remember back to the, the, the Vince Young days in Philadelphia, you know, where we mm-hmm. assembled this dream team of, of, <laughs> no, uh, of free agents that just didn't work out. Right. So it could go either way. But team, in, in weaker classes like this one, I think teams are way more willing to to move those picks. And also, you know, those first rounders, especially if you've got multiple of them. Yeah, that that costs you a lot of money. So you, we see teams like the 
um, like the Eagles. They wanted to this season. In fact, you know, they had three first round picks. They decided to move one uh, to next year to kind of I think a lot of that had to do with spreading out the money. Um, so there's a lot of reason to move picks right now for these teams. And first of all, just so you know, Vince Young, uh, he has a better chance of hanging out at a strip bar than playing football. <laughs> so just just so everybody knows. Yeah, you know. I'm so glad you referenced the dream team Eagles. That <laughs> yeah, was my favorite team. regular season just dream to laugh team. through as a Giants <laughs> fan because <laughs> I, the, the Super Bowl 42 victory was obviously sweeter the way they upset the Patriots. But that regular season with all the hype the Eagles had that year and they just crash and burn and the Giants make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl that year yeah, with all the really talent that the Eagles had. It just it was like that whole sweet regular season. Oh god. You never say it. Even if you feel it, you never say it until until it's over. We feel it, my friend. We feel it. Uh anyways, Matt, tell the fans how they can find you. Yeah, you can find all of my work over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I primarily write and podcast about Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um, uh, you, might, you can follow me on Twitter at MattPriceFF. Uh, you can check out the Dynasty Game Night game show. It's basically we play, we play game show style games about fantasy football uh, and other kind of pop culture stuff. Um, and then I, you can also find me on the DLF Network for the DLF Dynasty podcast, the flagship podcast for that site. So thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a blast. Absolutely. And maybe you need a zookeeper game show too next. <laughs> well, I will say this. We will we'll definitely want you to go, come on again after the draft because sure. uh, I, I want to bring on like a panel of like five or six guys, specialists that understand the draft and go over the draft on talking about some of the players and where they were picked and wh- how they can transform another team when they go into the NFL. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, fellas. Have a Absolutely. great night. Absolutely. We were just talking to Dynasty League football senior writer Matt, the zookeeper price. And uh, before before we come, um, well, obviously, when we come back, we'll finally get our Iowa State NFL prospect. Uh, I think he probably thought it was Central Time. Yes, that's exactly know. what he messaged me. He said he it's mixed right. it up with Central Time. It's but all right. Not a problem. We, we have him in the feed. We're, we're going to well, have him on after the break. Well, when we come back, we'll have the great and powerful Charlie Kolar here on our wonderful show, The Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can call us at 631 631- Six seven two thirty one zero eight. You can go to our website at www.sports, well, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, or www.sportsonthego1.com. Download our app by going iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to Mr. Zookeeper over there. I mean, I, I, we finally had a zookeeper on this show, mm-hmm. and he actually does... So, you know, he talks sports. I yep. like that. I mean, I should have asked him how many uh, how many lions and tigers he has at his uh, zoo. I mean, I love going to the zoo. Everybody knows I go to the Bronx Zoo every Bronx Zoo every single year with my girlfriend. It's one of my favorite places places to go because it's soothing. Uh, you get to hear a bunch of animals, you know, crow and. I love it. I, I think it's very calm and collective, and it's a great place to take your girl. But anyways, who cares? We're not here talking about animals, all right? We're here to talk about a guy that's going to be drafted. We're now talking to Iowa State NFL draft prospect tight end, Charlie Kohler. What's going on, Charlie? 
Guys, sorry I was late. Missed up the Central Eastern time. Oh, it's all right, man. I mean, listen, I got Speedy as a producer. He always messes up. He screws up, and I, I try to get over it, you know? No, he, he was. Uh, his directions were clear. My dumb ass just can't read Central and Eastern time. <laughs> I'm just messing around. I just like throwing him under the bus. Anyways, Charlie, what is it like getting ready, setting up, and, and, and just knowing that you have a chance to be drafted to the NFL this year? Yeah, obviously it's a uh, super cool, huge blessing. Um, you know, it's weird. I don't really, I don't I really thought that much about the draft until I got past pro day. You know, because first up, you finish the season, then you're getting ready for the Senior Bowl, then the combine, and the pro day. You kind of always focus on the thing ahead of you. And you finish up the pro day, you're like, oh shit! Now we're finally here. We're in the draft. So yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. I'm just grateful for uh, if I get drafted, where I land up at. I'm just excited to go to work. So what were those experiences like, both at your combine, at your pro day, being being uh, showing yourself out for the scouts? Yeah, they, were, they were good. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's like nothing I've ever done before. You know, the, it's like a day-long interview every day, you know, mm-hmm. meetings to practice, to working out, to whatever it is. So it'd be a, but it was fun. I get, get to know a lot of the other guys and uh, tight ends in my class and get to become close with those guys. And also, you know, all the coaches were so great. You know, we meet a lot of tight end coaches at the combine. It was awesome. You know, it's been a great experience. No complaints. As everybody knows, we are talking to Iowa State NFL draft pick uh, and tight end Charlie Kohler. I always, I almost said Kolar. I, I don't want to mess up your name and make me make myself look like a fool. But I'm, I'm very bad with names, and I'm getting used to it. But anyways. Uh, so we look at this year's draft class with tight ends, and everybody keeps talking about this kid McBride. I I understand that he he's a guy that everybody everybody keeps saying could be the end of a first round, maybe early second round pick. Now a lot of people look at the board and look at the draft board and say that you could be a third, maybe an early fourth round draft pick. What is the difference between your ability and your speed and your size to a McBride where everybody thinks is a, a top, you know, the top pick in this year's draft as a tight end? Yeah, I mean, I, I try not to compare myself to other players that much. You know, I, I just get to know Trey pretty well. He's a great dude. And I wish nothing but the best for him. You know, I think everyone offers their own unique skill set. Uh, I think I'm obviously a little bigger. and uh, But, no, I mean, it's just the team has to decide what they want, and I try not to – get into it too much because I, I have no control over it and I just get upset about things I can't control. So, no, I, I really don't think about it. I think he's a great player and uh, he'll do great over hands up. I love this kid. You see, you see, he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. Usually some guys, you know, they have the cockiness to say, you know what, I, I think I'm just as good as him. But you know what? Let somebody draft me in the third or fourth round. I'll become the best tight end in this draft class. So I, I, I like it. I like it. I like your personality. So I'll take that. So is there any, any guys that either were your teammates or guys maybe at your position that you got to interact with at Combine Experiences that were pretty cool guys on and off the field? Yeah, I, I, I trained with uh, Greg Dulcich and Jelani Woods, tight ends. They were awesome. I'm so competitive that when I watch other tight ends on film, and I want to, like, find a reason, like, oh, I, I don't like that guy because of that. But then I get to know him, and they're just good guys. And I just, you know, it's hard for me, not to, hard for me to find anything not to like about. But, no, I, uh, I trained out with one of my buddies, too. Uh, I was the guy, Jake Hummel, who plays linebacker. Uh, he had an amazing pro day. I think he's I think he's a uh, I think he's a sneaky pick that's going to help someone out, whether he gets drafted or free. He's, he's a hell of a player. But no, I mean, most of the guys, you know, just I uh, working out with out in Cali, uh, just down to earth, good dudes, working out hard. Some guys I worked out with, uh, Greg, Jelani, um, Jack Sanborn was out there, uh, Jake Hummel's out there, 
couple other tight ends, like Tonjes, Eric Cromwell. A lot of guys out there I really enjoy spending time with. As everybody knows, we are talking to NFL prospect, Iowa State tight end, Charlie Kohler. Now, Charlie, I, I'm reading a little informa- information over here about you. Uh, both your parents are professors at the University of Oklahoma. And uh, high school teammate of Trey Young. Are, were you a high school teammate of Trey Young? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. So what what are your thoughts to Trey Young right now in the playoffs? <laughs> uh, I mean, they'll be all right. He'll bounce back. Um, they're a really good team. Miami played good defense the first two games. I've never been against Trey, though. You know, everyone wants to count him out. He always manages to respond. I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone was picking them in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. <laughs> he willed that team there, and he has some incredible teammates. But, you know, he's obviously the catalyst. I'm rooting for him. That city has really embraced that team, and they have a really great home environment. We go to a game when we get some more free time. Every time I think he's here, he just takes another level. It's incredible. <laughs> Does he ever call you? Does he ever reach out to you? Do you spend yeah, we, them? we talk. Uh, he came and watched one of the games this year in the fall. Oh. He was meant a lot to me. He came out to Iowa City. I was not Iowa City. Iowa State yeah. to watch us play Iowa, mm-hmm. um, which was a shitty game. But uh, <laughs> he's a good dude. We still can't stay in contact. I mean, I hope. I mean, he's got a little more money than me, so he can fly around. <laughs> so hopefully, not hopefully for long. Hopefully, when I have some money, I can go see him play. <laughs> not for long, my friends. So you actually, you were meant, uh, Errol was mentioning that you had uh, parents that are working at Oklahoma as professors. And just you growing up in general in Norman, Oklahoma, did you root for the Sooners? And also, how did it feel now you playing at Iowa State for all those years? You guys beat them twice. How did it feel beating them uh, in the Big 12? Yeah, so my, my dad works for you. My mom works for a different university. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I grew up in Norman. I liked football. I was a big Sooners fan. I grew up, you know, watching Brett Bomar and Sam Bradford and DeMarco Murray and you know, it's, it's weird, uh, you know, once you get older, like, everyone was asking them, once you're playing the game, like, obviously it's fun to go to Norman and, like, see the places, like, right, I'm, I'm in my house right now, and I live, like, two, three, five minutes away from the stadium, so, like, it's right there. But, you know, once you get in the game, like, it's just a game. Like, you just, you lose, lose track of where you are just playing. Beat them twice, should have beat them, like, freaking four times. I mean, shit, every time, end of the game, we're barely. It's always just fun to play and beat your hometown team, and always just fun to compete. <laughs> so, what should the fans know about you and your talents going into the NFL draft? What is your strength? I, I've, I've, I'm reading what your strengths and your weaknesses are, but you know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And what... What could a team look at you right now and say, you know, how do you sell yourself to a team and why they should draft you? That's a, be- that's a better question. Um, first of all, I'm a great guy I drink a beer with. That's an important thing. <laughs> that's an important quality I look for. Are you underage? You're saying this? I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you're overage. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from Iowa. You shouldn't be it's guys. It's like it was snowing on Easter, so people <laughs> we drink. But, you did. but no, um, I think uh, in all seriousness, I think I run really good routes. Um, I was really happy like to be able to have opportunity to perform on pro day because you know I think I do a really good job of like controlling my tempo and deceiving stuff in the route game. But then I always get asked like, oh, "Are you slow? Can you run?" And I'm like, "I'll well, I'll just I'll just, I'll just wait, shut up, and show you that I can run on my pro day because." I think that's the strength of mine, my athleticism. It always doesn't show up on film because I'm not just sprinting off the ball. You know, I'm controlling my speed into my breakpoint and then accelerating and stuff. So I, was really, I think I'm a really big, strong, fast athlete. 
think I run great routes. I think my blocking is good because I just keep getting better. You know, I didn't block a ton in line in college. And I think I'm really good in space, especially like blocking in space. You know, I played receiver for a while. I think I do a good job of blocking for red line blocks, you know, for screens and bubbles and stuff. And um, I just think I can contribute early on and um, just want to look forward to the opportunity. So both at your position and just at any position in general, who are your, some of your NFL influences, the football players that you idolized and looked up to growing up? Yeah, I mean, our, our, uh, we love – my coach and I always would watch NFL tight ends. You know, he would make this cut up of, like, explosive NFL tight end catches for the week, and we'd watch it during the season. Um, you know, like, when we install routes, we, like, go back in the archives. Like, you know, we install routes with Antonio Gates and Jason Witten. Like, that's how we install our middle search routes and stuff. So I love watching those guys. Uh, current guys, um, obviously, you know, I love watching Kelsey, his stem, and his, his ability to create separation, how he deceives where he's going, and he's so fluid and amazing. And then just try to, you know, try to copy – what guys do best. Like, you know, Darren Waller is so good at the way he controls his body downfield. And I wish I was keeping better at that. You know, Zach Ertz is so good at his routes. And, you know, my coaches from the Colts, we watched a lot of like Jack Doyle and those guys. So, you know, just, just mixing it up, you know, I, I'm not them. And so I'm not going to try to be someone on that, but just try to learn from the best. I think is the best way to become a good tight end. As everybody knows, we're talking to Iowa state NFL draft pick, uh, tight end, Charlie Kohler. Um, Charlie, what are you going to do? Um, obviously, you'll probably be drafted the second day. You could be, you know, who knows? Maybe some team looks at you as a second round, late second round draft pick, early third round pick. Where are you going to be? How are you going to celebrate when you get drafted? Are you going to be with your family? Are you going to be with your friends? What are you going to be doing uh, when it comes to the draft uh, on, I guess it will be April 29th? Yeah, I'll just, I'll be, I'm at home. I'll be at home with family. I'm just keeping it small uh, my family. Uh, my grandma and my girlfriend are coming in, but that's about it. It's like about nine or ten of us just keeping it quiet. I've always, I was, I was told that you want to keep the the draft party small because just in case something bad happens, you don't want to have to, you know, explain to the party. But no, I, uh, I'll go see my friends after or something, but the actual draft party will keep it small. Well, I just want to let you know, you're probably going to be drafted on my birthday, which is April 29th. So that's good yes. luck, bro. That is good luck. You're talking to somebody that's born right around the draft every single year. Last year was the draft. The first round of the draft was on my birthday. This year, the second the second, third, the second, second and the third, third round are going to be drafted, uh, going to be on um, on my birthday. So maybe you get drafted in the third round, and maybe you get drafted by my team, the Jets. I mean, they don't need a tight end right now, but maybe they, you know, in the future they'll have somebody uh, you know working and getting ready for you know two, three years down the road when they need somebody. So uh, I, I, I listen. You seem like a really good kid. I, I would love you to come here to New York. We'll show you around. We'll take you to the vineyard, you and your girlfriend, and you can come and celebrate my 41st birthday next nice. year. <laughs> you like to drink. This guy, he knows every single beer. He's drinking every single beer known to, known to man. Every single well, Known to around here, I guess. We go I, everywhere. I don't, I don't know about in, this... uh, where you, where you grew up, when, in Iowa or in Oklahoma where you were growing up. I don't know about any of those breweries. but Charlie, this guy. Every time we go out to a place, a new place, he's always testing this kind of beer, that kind of beer. It doesn't matter what it is. He's going to test it. He's going to drink it. And then he, I, every time I see it, he's, it's either two, three, four new beers every single time we go to a place. So Dude, nothing, wrong with, nothing wrong with that. I know you like your beer, so maybe you go drinking with this kid. I, I think I'll tell you this right now. Even though you're six foot six and 250 pounds, 
this guy will drink you out of the bus, man. Oh, I bet. I mean, she, I was I was trying to get my body right for everything. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not at peak performance right now. Listen, you're this guy's like 150 pounds soaking wet, and he probably can out drink half the people when he comes to beer. Oh, absolutely. The guys who could drink the most in college were always the the, the short white guys who were about 150 pounds, but they just put down a whole pack themselves. It's, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. I tell that everybody. Everybody makes jokes, and I say this guy uh, this guy will drink you out of the bus. Not a question, but uh, anyways, well, before we let you go, man, because what? Because obviously you're busy and you're getting ready for the draft uh, a week from now, and we'd love to get you on when you get drafted because I'd love to talk about the team uh, that you're going to and how excited you are going to those teams. Uh, is there a particular team that really stands out that if you had the opportunity to play for a coach or a core, you know, obviously a quarterback that you want to throw to, that to throw throw the ball to you. To you, uh, is there a particular team? If you had a chance to go to, is there a team that you would like to play for? Oh gosh, I I, I try to avoid that. Game. I know, I know, but I, I, listen, I, I listen. You grew up. You obviously were a football fan. Maybe there's a a coach out there that you maybe at those interviews there was a coach out there that you really really liked at the interviews. Was there a, you could only name one team? Is there like three, four teams that really stand out to you that you would want to play for that particular coach and that particular quarterback? I'm not bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Like I, <laughs> almost every coach I met with at the combine was great. There's, I mean, this is the NFL. There's so many good quarterbacks. Obviously, you know, playing with a good quarterback makes it easier. Of course. You know, a good quarterback. Of course. But, I mean, as long as I end up in a situation where I get an opportunity. I'm sorry I'm, getting the, I'm giving the vanilla answer. But it's all right. I'm a vanilla person. I actually like vanilla and chocolate, so let's put it together, man. I, I like my chocolate and vanilla. But uh, <laughs> with a little sprinkles, man. But uh, um, uh, what was I going to say? I have a feeling. I know where you're going to go, okay? I, and I'm going to make I'm going to make my prediction. You ready to hear this? You will be drafted early fourth round by the Green Bay Packers. That's where I think you're going. Okay. All right. So if that happens, I I'm right, okay? Or it, I I you're going to have to do something. We're we're going to have to get you out here. I'll first round. What happened? I'll buy the first round. You buy the first round. I'm not a drinker, but I, you know what? I, if you come out here. I'll drink with you, okay? How's that sound? So, it, 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 to me, I, I think you're a great kid. Uh, we, we've, we've interviewed some great uh, future prospects. Uh, we had the top 50 on the show last year. I think it was last year. Well, the top 50 prospects going into the college last year. And now we've interviewed a couple of draft, uh, draft picks uh, over the last couple of, you know, couple of months, uh, future NFL draft picks. And you're, you are, I think you really stand out. I think you're a good kid. Uh, you're smart, you're educated, and honestly, uh, you got a good personality. I think you would fit here in New York, either with the Jets or the Giants or even Buffalo. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, so, like, I had like good success academically and stuff, mm-hmm. and so like my coach, when I was thinking, so the question I would get would be like, so you know, some scout would come up to him, he'd go, so uh, coach, you know, super smart, you know, uh, really does a good job in academics. Is he just weird as fuck or what? <laughs> and so I was like, so when I come into my, so I do the interviews, like I'm just relaxing because like I'm just being my, my authentic self and you know just shooting the shit. But yeah, it was, it was it was really funny when he told me that. I'm like, oh shoot, I guess I guess I got a bad reputation going in. I'm reading about you right now as we're talking to you, and uh, you got you had out of all the tight ends, you have one of the biggest hands. Um, you you're. Actually, pretty fast you know, for for a tight end, and 
you're very strong. They say that you're very strong. You're not a great blocker, but you're very strong when you get out. You know, you get out. You know, and you're running your routes. So, and you got. You know, you're you're a strider. You have a very good stride. So, I'm looking forward to watching you and 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 getting the opportunity to really be a fan of yours. I I never got a chance to watch Iowa State play. I'm not going to lie to you. So I've never seen you play. Um, but I've watched clips of you. I've popped it up over here. I'm watching bunches of you know clips that pop up as as a prospect. I'm looking forward to watching you play, man. And I, I, I listen. There are a lot of tight ends that were drafted in the third and fourth round that became NFL superstars. Sure. And uh, if if you believe in your talent and you believe in the work and you put the you put the time and energy in, you can do anything. And you're a smart guy. You know that. You come from a family of smart people. So I I I, I really do. I, I'm first of all. I'm going to be a fan of yours. I want you to succeed, and I want to, you know, when when you become an NFL superstar, you could say, you know what? I interviewed with those guys, and they're 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 two of the funniest and the best interviews I've ever had. So, Absolutely. You know what? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to jump on your shoulders, man. When you're six foot six and I'm like five ten, you're twice the size of me. But I'm, <laughs> for a guy my size, I'm 220, 230 pounds. Uh, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm I, I work out. I'm a workout guy too, and I'm coming off an injury myself, and I was an athlete. So I really respect people like you, kids like you, that, uh, you know, you have a dream. You went after your dream, and you're going for it. And now, now you have the opportunity to really make a name for yourself and, and, and support your family in the future. So I, I really respect you, man. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. This was fun. This was fun. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of other comments just from our, our fans. Um, one of our fans, Jeff, says uh, your coach at Iowa State, Matt Campbell, is one of the best coaches in the country, he thinks. And uh, one of our other commenters, Carl, also says uh, Seattle. I agree with the Matt Campbell comment. He's, he's the best. I, I love him. He was going to be an NFL coach, right? Yeah, he was in a lot of talks last year. I know the year. Jets were yeah. interested in him. A lot of talks last year that he was getting some NFL uh, – that he could have gotten an NFL position. They released the Lions offered him a job and he turned it down. Yes. He, he turned down a couple of jobs, but I, but I think eventually he'll take an NFL job. When the right job comes along that it just really stands out to him, I think he will get an NFL job. He, he's, he's, he's coached a lot of good NFL players. His, his – uh, his programs is as good as any program right now in the country, and and that's look at you, man. You have an opportunity to really succeed and and, and come out of Iowa State and become a successful NFL player, and you should be really uh, fun to watch moving forward in your career. Awesome, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Looking forward to forward to getting to work. Yes, and we're going to be talking to you because once you get drafted, I'm going to have Speedy reach out to you, and I want to get you on the show. I want to know your thoughts of that team, and if it is the Green Bay Packers, man, I'm going to tell you. I told you so. Remember told I said so. that. I told you so. So just remember I said that. And I, I don't oh, know if I don't know if you talked to Green Bay, but they need a tight end of your, your yeah, stature. I, I had a formal I had a formal with them with the combine. So really, look at that. Oh, look at that. So maybe I am right. So. There you go, gaining some traction there. I'm got, you know what? You, yeah. you're, you're gonna talk yourself into this theory and just become more confident. <laughs> you know what? I should be the new Mel Kiper. Mel Kiper should be coming for me. <laughs> Errol also has a, a fan share of the Green Bay Packers, so maybe he'll be negotiating with That's their right. draftees. I own a piece uh, at the of end them. of the third round. Uh, here you go. Here, you, hey, hey, Green Bay, uh, you should trade up for this guy. I've got one minority, minority owner. I have one share of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> so, you, so you own like like that little speck of dust. A little like, speck of dust. Want. You know, I, you know, I might own a piece of sand of them. Okay. You don't. You don't own the seat. You just own like the back of the seat. That's right. I own nothing. How's 
that sound? I own the bottom of the gum on the shoe of every single player. How's that's that? A, that's a good deal. Yeah, well, whatever. You know what? Uh, Rogers, you know, you're lucky you got that contract. I was one of the reasons why you got it. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, Charlie, thank you for joining us. Uh, and yeah, it was a blast. Thanks, guys. I'll be rooting for you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Stay good. Have a good evening, guys. See ya. Absolutely. Charlie Kohler, uh, nice kid, man. Oh, yeah. Really, really nice kid. And uh, funny. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Uh, uh, good, good get there, Speedy. Yeah, hey, I've reached out to all these draft prospects right around the combine, and uh, Charlie reached out on Monday. Like, he was very interested in coming on. You could tell he really loved this, loved this experience too. He loved all the draft experiences that he has had, and hopefully he does get drafted in the third round, even in the second round with these tight ends. Hopefully he gets drafted, maybe, maybe to one of our teams, maybe comes to New York. We'll see. But Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks for uh, Carl's prediction. Who knows? Uh, he, he's a nice kid. He's got a good personality, and I think he'll be successful wherever he goes. I, I really do. And uh, he's still considered a third or fourth round draft pick, which mm-hmm. will be he will make an NFL team. He will start. So, uh, and and what I've read about him, he's got a tremendous amount of talent. I oh mean, yeah. I mean, if you look up and down, what he is and what his strengths are, he's not a great blocker. I'm reading his strengths. Outstanding student, excellent work habits, premium size, length, and measurements. Create route. He's a good route runner. It says over here, human shield, hiding his catch space and man coverage. Soft hands, rarely ever drops the ball. Makes catches twitch, uh, you know, with twitchy late hands. Helps quarterbacks by working back in back to the throws. I mean, his weaknesses are he can't. He's not a great run blocker. Needs to play to his size at the point of attack, inconsistent angles and footwork. that Those are all fixable things. I will say, by the time watching Iowa State, in the bits I saw of him, because he obviously didn't play his whole career, he was redshirted his first year and then played on later, he actually made some tough catches very well, too, which you really need out of a tight end to really develop into a red zone threat. He made a lot of really good catches. Yeah, yeah, you could say Big 12 defense is all you want, but th- those catches are very low, low catch probability. He was making some tough ones in the end zone. Well, sure. they say right here, he was a Mackey Award finalist, mm-hmm. first team all-conference selection in 2021, yep. where he had six touchdowns in 12 games. So uh, the kid's a good player. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it's not easy to find a tight end, and this is not a tight end class. Uh, he's considered a, a top six, top five tight end in yeah. this, year, this class. So uh, I expect him to be a, a late third round, early fourth round pick. I expect my prediction, the Packers draft him. And I, I think he'd be a great fit over there with Aaron Rodgers. I really do. And he's got a good personality. He's a really smart kid. And, Maybe he has a long career, and, and, and maybe he'll remember us forever. Yes. You know? Yeah, let's hope, because we've seen a lot of tight ends, a lot of really talented tight ends, yes. have a lot of injury problems throughout their career, too. So hopefully that doesn't end up being the case for Charlie, for sure. <laughs> Carl also says, I bought a share of the Packers and burned it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I mean, you and Jeff, pain in my asses. I, I love you guys. You guys are crazy. <laughs> it's his most bitter rival. I mean, <laughs> if you had a share of the Patriots, you'd probably burn it, too. <laughs> No, I don't know about that. If, if I had a share of the Patriots, I'd try to sell it back to them and get more money back from them. I mean, seriously. If I bought a share, I don't think Kraft would give me a share anyway. So no, I, probably not. I mean, why would he give a New York fan a, sh- a share of his team? I mean, seriously. I mean, you don't have to tell him. He, he would give it to the, the girls that are giving him happy endings. Yes. I mean, he would do that. I'm sure he would. <laughs> Good old Robert Kraft. <laughs> Oh, man. Why don't we go to a quick break? <laughs> Robert Kraft. 
Ah, interesting. When we come back, we'll come back with some NFL conversation here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ah, well, Charlie Kohler, very nice kid. Um, and we, we talked to Matt, the zookeeper price. Two fabulous uh, interviews, really good fits. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for Charlie to get, you know, go to a good team, good organization where he gets a chance to play and where he can turn into the player that, hey, maybe he becomes a superstar in the NFL. That would be a nice story. Um, I do want to get into the NFL draft. And, and, and being that it's a week away, uh, we're talking about so many players that can fall in so many positions. And uh, what, what type of player could fall to teams in the, the mid-rounds, you know, the mid, uh, you know, the teens in the first round? It, it, it's a good question, and, and we, I was talking about Stingley obviously getting drafted ahead of Sauce Gardner. Is there any chance that Sauce Gardner falls out of the top 10? I, I can't imagine that, just because I think Atlanta needs corner help. They could go there, Seattle. This is assuming that he, the Giants don't take him, because the Giants do like him, and they do like Stingley now, too. This, this cornerback rumor you were talking about earlier in the show is gaining a little more legs, more than we saw before, so maybe it is seeming likely that the Giants want to trade James Bradbury. So I, I, I just really don't see it. I mean, we've heard the Jets express interest in them, too, so if they go for a pass rusher at four, and maybe they don't want a receiver there in that spot, or they don't make a trade for a top wide receiver that's currently in the league, then maybe they go in that direction too, because maybe the value of the overall player might just be too much for them to pass up too. I can't if, imagine it. If the Jets get Debo Samuels in a trade, they're going to have to trade one of those. Picks. Yes, they're going to have to trade. I, I, I don't think they're going to have to trade four, but I think they could, they'll definitely have to trade 10 and probably some, uh, maybe a day two pick or something like that too. Cause uh, Devonte Adams got a one and a two from the, uh, the, uh, the Packers. So he'll well, those probably, are late picks. Those are later picks. It would probably be a one and a three. Cause D- Debo is younger and, and more versatile, even though he's not as good as Devontae Adams. So it'll be a little less, I would imagine, but it's not much less whether they have to trade, I would imagine. It's going to be very interesting what San Francisco does. And if San Francisco does not trade Debo Samuels, which, where a lot of people believe and predicts that he might not be traded um, at the draft, um, the Jets are going to have to decide how they're going to and where they're going to draft their wide receiver in this year's draft. And I don't know if you can wait until the second round and take a chance for that. If there's a particular wide, particular wide receiver that falls, uh, or a particular wide receiver at 10 where you're going to have the pick of the litter at 10 where nobody's off the board, where you could get Williams or, or uh, any one of those guys we talk about, Drake or any of those guys. Uh, you can have the opportunity to get the guy that fits your team and the way you're going to run your offense. So it's it's so interesting to see what the Jets are going to do at the draft on, on on Thursday and even what the Giants are going to do. I think the Giants should go two offensive linemen. I don't expect that to happen. I expect a pass rusher and an offensive lineman off the board at 5-7. and seven. Yeah, I want a pass rusher offensive lineman combo, ideally hoping one of the top guys are going to fall. Like we've seen these recent slides, especially with Thibodeau, if Houston goes to the corner or Detroit does something weird. I think if Thibodeau is there at four, the Jets are drafted. I I think so, too. I I can't see the way 
Joe Douglas has this history of drafting pass rushers. We've seen Robert Sala come from the 49ers that they've made lesser pass rushers, guys that were first-round picks that didn't pan out with the other teams, made it work in their system. I can't imagine them passing on a talent like that, but again, if they do somehow have to either trade that pick or maybe Joe Douglas wants to trade back to make the money work to have all that kind of thing and take a different pass rusher that maybe they think fits the system even more, then again, there's always an option for that to happen. Otherwise, yeah, you have the scenario of you take the best tackle, whoever's left remaining, or whether it's Cross, whether it's Aquano, then you go with the pass rusher at the second pick, maybe somebody like a Jermaine Johnson with the second pick, maybe Carl Loftus. There's options. And the Giants, like the Jets, could also trade back to. Yeah, I, I, I see that the Jets are more likely to do so, but the Giants could should consider it considering all they need. I don't see at four the Jets trade back. I see at ten they do. Yeah, I do so. Um it depends on Neil sitting there and if Thibodeau's off the board. I did hear I did hear that uh last weekend Kavon Thibodeau was over there at the uh, the Jets facility. Uh, everything looked like it went well, yes. um, and there are stories that the Jets are very intrigued and very interested in Thibodeau. And Thibodeau has already said that he wants to go to a big market plays. Uh, he, it's not just football he's concentrating on. He's right now. He's involved with a lot of different organizations. He's building his own headset, you know, his his uh, own headphones and all that uh, wireless headphones. And I was watching a bunch of documentaries. He would love to come here in New York and, and shine here in the biggest market in the world. So uh, especially in a market that's been craving a pass rusher that can dominate. So um, I, if Kavon Thibodeau is there at four, I, I really can't see the Jets passing up on him. I really can. I, I, I think he goes for to the Jets. I don't think the Texans are going to draft him. Uh, the, there is stories coming out that the Lions are they're going to go after Hutchinson. Uh, I don't think the I don't think the Jaguars are drafting um, an, a defensive lineman at uh, one uh, at two. I think they're interested in Aquino, whatever his name is, Aquanu, uh, Aquanu, yeah. uh, who a lot of people think has moved up in the draft board. And it's not Evan Neal at one; it's Aquanu going one to the Jaguars and solidifying their offensive line, especially with some of the acquisitions they made in the offseason. Yeah, those are the two weird scenarios that would need to happen for the Giants to be able to get somebody like Thibodeau. And the other scenario could be the Texans, too, who their GM comes from the Patriots, who they like to draft a lot of secondary pieces. We could see Houston go for Gardner. We could see Houston go for Kyle Hamilton. We could see Houston even go for offensive line, too. Maybe they go with somebody like Neal or somebody like Cross if Jacksonville takes a Quanu and Detroit takes Hutchinson. So there's a lot of scenarios just because all three of those teams really need so much when it comes to talent-wise. The Lions and Texans have been cash-strapped for years and not been able to go after good free agents because they had so many bad contracts. Jacksonville traded all the way their top players. They got a good amount of draft picks back for them, but haven't drafted well with them with the exception of a couple players. So all three of those teams are really big wild cards right now. We all know they've drafted weirdly at times, too. How many tight ends did the Lions unnecessarily draft for years? How many unnecessary offensive linemen that the Jaguars reach on for years. They could go do anything weird at that point. And that's the dream scenario for definitely Thibodeau falling to the Jets at number four. And even for maybe if the Jets go in a different direction or they trade for a wide receiver, maybe even for the Giants too. Mm, It's going to be very, very interesting moving forward in this year's draft. Also, uh, you look at the quarterbacks, and, and you, you heard it from uh, Matt, uh, Matt Price. He was talking about uh, that he thinks Malik should be the first one off the board. A lot of people think Malik might even fall out of the first round. And uh, he does have a strong arm. He can run inside and out of the pocket. He, 
Uh, we saw what he did at the combine with the, the person that was living on the street. Right. It's all nice things that we saw in Malik, but could he play in the NFL at the pace and the speed of the game? When the game gets faster, uh, it took Josh Allen a long time, and he had to change his throwing motion. It, and and b- believe it or not, it's not easy when you're throwing the ball so many years like you did uh, as a high school kid and as a middle school kid, and then changing your throwing your throwing. Uh, you know, points, mechanics. you know, mechanics, you know, early in your career. Uh, it, it's it's amazing what Josh Allen has done. And, and that's why Josh Allen's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I Is Malik willing to do that if if it comes down to that, where they, they say the ball comes out of his arm a little bit slower than most NFL quarterbacks? Strong, but a little bit slower. He's, he doesn't have a fast release. So we've seen a lot of quarterbacks have that problem, and it doesn't, it doesn't bold well. Over the years, Josh Rosen being one of them. Mm-hmm. Look at the quarterbacks that we've seen that were top-end athletes, top-end quality throwers that could throw the ball and never succeed in the NFL, a.k.a. Sam Darnold. Right, so. and even a lot of great athletic guys, running-type quarterbacks, dual-threat quarterbacks, even had trouble with that. Even somebody as good as Cam Newton in the beginning of their career, quick release was never one of his strengths either. And in today's game, it's kind of a necessity to have with the way these offenses run now with all the motion, with the the way offensive lines haven't been like as good consistently across the league. And for somebody like Malik Willis, they're going to have to have both not only him making adjustments, but also the coaching be able to make adjustments to his game now too. So as a result, you have to have a coaching staff that will be able to evolve his game. We saw the Ravens do that for Lamar Jackson when they drafted him. They had to really change their whole offense for that kind of thing. And a lot of draft analysts have said that Malik Willis, both in the good traits and the bad traits are very similar to a more raw version of Lamar Jackson, like maybe at the beginning of his career type thing. And maybe that is a, t- a challenge that one of these teams that maybe didn't have that kind of excitement type quarterback take on. We've heard a lot of rumors with the Steelers. We've heard some rumors with Washington, maybe drafting him at 11. If they wanted to go with the quarterback that those would probably be the l- most likely scenarios. I don't know. I, people are saying the Panthers too, but I don't really see that being likely. I, they haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Cam Newton. I don't really see that kind of thing changing with this current regime, the way they're, especially if they're rumored for Baker Mayfield too. So either he'll go in the middle of the first round probably, or you're right. Maybe he'll fall out to the second. Well, if Baker, remember, they don't have a second round draft pick. Now we've have right. heard, we have heard that Cleveland's willing to take a second and a fourth for Baker. Uh, they don't have a second and a fourth because they yep. traded them to the Jets. So uh, they're cle- either they're going to have to decide what they're doing with the first round. Do they trade out of the sixth pick to gain a second round pick, and 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 maybe at their third pick, you know, trade their third pick to get two fourths? I don't know what they're thinking about doing, but that's what they're going to have to do uh, to get Baker and and still keep their first round draft pick. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, what uh, Carolina does, because after giving up that second and fourth, you really have really stung yourself this year in this year's draft, where you gave the Jets two quality picks, two early picks in the second and fourth round, where the Jets could benefit moving forward at that position where they can trade those pieces or trade for um trade for a wide trade for a wide receiver, which we're talking about with Debo Samuels. They, the Jets could win on this if they give up a, a, the the tenth and a fourth a early fourth round draft pick. Right. So um, it, it's definitely interesting to see what happens with this Debo Samuel thing and and what what does Carolina do this year. Uh, if if it is Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback. Here's the other scenario that I don't think a lot of people are factoring into. If the 49ers are being too stingy when it comes to getting the value back for Debo Samuel and they're not able to get 
a early end or a top 10 pick for Debo Samuel. The Jets could also be in good position with all the extra picks they have where they have to give maybe just a first round next year and something even this year. Say he's not traded on day one after the draft and then the Jets have all those second round picks they could work with. They have extra fourths and a bunch of other stuff that maybe you trade a, a first round pick next year or something like that. And one of those day three picks or a combination of the day two and day three picks too, where you, you could get your top wide receiver, maybe plan that kind of thing in mind and draft other things at four and 10 too. They get maybe Thibodeau and they get a corner. Maybe they get Stingley, something like that. Maybe they end up going because the Jets have also gone where they might even go double wide receivers too, and maybe try to trade Corey Davis too. So there's a lot of options that the Jets have when it comes to position flexibility. Maybe they double up on the pass rushers. Maybe they go Thibodeau and Karloftis or something like that. There are options if Debo Samuel's price goes down the later it gets towards the draft that they could do it. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting when you when you look at this draft and you look at the players that are available all all off season and how many players found themselves on other teams, new teams, uh, early this uh, this off season and now later when it, when the draft and then after the draft you have OTAs opening up, you have all these different things that you're hearing. You're hearing Makai Beckham is not going to be in. Uh, he 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 will be there for voluntary voluntary. Uh, OTAs, obviously, but right now he is not. He's not forced to be. His wife, his girlfriend is pregnant, yeah. so he's training right now, getting into shape. He lost like 30 pounds or 40 pounds, which is a good sign for you know a kid like that, and uh, I think Jet fans have been really, really hard on him. I yeah. feel really, really bad for, for him. For a kid that was one of the best prospects in, in two, two years ago in the draft, where everybody says they, the Jets stole him at number 11, and right. this guy was going to be the next big you know, tackle in the league, and then had one this this past year. He gets hurt his preseason. He couldn't stay healthy. He wasn't healthy all preseason. He gets hurt in the first game. He's out for the season. And Jet fans are telling everybody to trade him. George Font is not Makai Beckham. No. And and anybody that thinks that you guys are nuts. Now he had a good season last year, and the Jets are gonna they're they're gonna definitely jump on the bandwagon and say, you know what, we're gonna extend your contract because you're still fairly young, you're 29, 30 years old. We could get three or four years out of you, but don't get it twisted. If you if anybody thinks that George Font is gonna start at the left tackle position, even though Robert Sala has said he's gonna be uh, playing for that position. Robert Sala is not going to move their top-end prospect from two years ago to the right tackle position when they made a move and they, they, they took a, a whim on, on this kid at number 11, drafting him the way they did. There's no way. So uh, that's why they brought Lincoln, Lincoln Tomlinson. That's why he's moving to the left tackle, left guard position, because they're going to put him with the younger player. And on the other side, they put Elijah Veritaka with the veteran player in font. That's why they're doing it. And if you guys don't see what's going on, I don't know what the hell you see. I I just feel so bad. I'm reading all these posts on social media. Trade him, trade him, trade him. Get what you can for him. What are you, nuts? Yeah, I also hear it was posted on the off. Get what you can on him? Yeah, okay, no. I was hearing posts at the beginning of the offseason, too, of fans of other teams that were saying it was, oh, here's a realistic trade scenario for Mackay Becton. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. It was and it was teams that didn't have either not a lot of draft picks or were drafting later, too, and the trading for Mackay Becton, it made no sense. I will say this. San Francisco head-on head trades for Mackay Becton for Debo Samuels. He'll, they'll absolutely do it. They'll absolutely do it. The Jets won't. The Jets are not going to trade a tackle that's 22 years old 
like, like 22, 23 years old. He's he's not even hit his prime yet. He's he's a young tackle with a tremendous amount of ability. They're not going to trade him for Debo Samuel, and they're not. So to sit here and even argue that and say, we'll trade him for this guy, we'll trade him for that, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Carl says, Errol, do a live show from the Bronx Zoo, Penguin Probably. House. That would be a good idea. <laughs> Snuck says, do you think the kid is a Celtics fan? Jimmy D and Debo, Jimmy G and Debo to the Bucks and Tom Brady to the Goat and 49ers. All hail the Brady Goat. Uh, <laughs> Snuck says, I'd love to see you prove his mechanics. Josh Allardyce would go to middle school and dominate in dodgeball. Josh got great at the headshots. <laughs> Jeff naturally bashing the Jets. Nobody like, cares so, about the Jets. So go ahead, say it. <laughs> nobody cares about the Jets. If you're, you're talking to nobody about this, nobody gave a single F bomb yeah. about New York. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. you're wrong, Jeff, because uh, there's a lot of Jet fans that listen to this show. And, and they're wrong. also one of the teams with two top 10 picks. I mean, people are going to care about those scenarios because they have the most positional flexibility about a, out of anybody in that top 10 because. They have the most flexibility at any team in the draft this year. They're number one when it comes to points by like 2,000 points. So I don't know where. And the Giants are number two. So to say that nobody cares about the Jets, the Jets are sitting on a gold mine. If they want Debo Samuel, they can get him. Okay? And to get Debo Samuel, I I like Debo Samuel more than Tyreek Hill. Okay? Honest to God. Tyreek Hill is, to me, a one-dimensional player. Debo Samuel could do so many multiple things to make your team better. Plus, he's a little younger. So I would go with Debo Samuel, but I'm not trading the farm for him either. No, and I don't think at this point you're going to have to do anything more than maybe what the Adams trade was, just because he's a little younger and more versatile. Well, they're not going to have to give up a one and two. because No, I don't think a one and a two. I'm thinking maybe a one and a three or a one and two fours or two fives or maybe some picks next year, like something like that. It's not going to be something like the Tyreek Hill trade with Miami where they had to give up five draft picks. I can't see a scenario like that at this point either because the other scenario, the other factor is Debo's already saying, I I want it out. There was no inkling of Tyreek Hill saying, I want it out from the Chiefs. It was just a matter of contract. No, he wanted out. He wanted out. He wanted that spot. But it wasn't as significant as Debo Samuel coming out yesterday on his social media and saying I'm forcing a trade. That automatically is going to drop your trade value. Not necessarily a lot because Debo Samuel could do so many different things. But say one and a four would be good for the Jets. Possibly. You and got two forts. Yeah. You got four, you, you might, even if you have to trade a couple day three picks. Like I think it, it ends up being worth it for Debo because if you don't have to do the one, you're and not going to have to give up three picks for Debo Samuel. If you're trading the tenth pick, that's a high pick. That's not easy to give away, to give away, and all these other teams that'll be offering a late first round and a second round. That's not even close to the tenth pick to move up at ten with the points that it is. You, the Jets for Debo Samuel would probably have to give up a a one and uh, a late fourth to get. Uh, I mean, a, a, a one and an early fourth. That would be fair for Debo Samuel to get the tenth pick in the first round after you have no first round draft picks because you traded for Trey Lance. That's a that's a good. That's a good move for them. And they can still get a wide receiver at 10. They can get the wide receiver that fits what they want, that way they have control of them. The competition is going to be right in that middle area of the first round, too, because there's a lot of teams, like we mentioned yesterday, that could easily go for wide receivers. Now, the Browns don't have the money because they just traded for Amari Cooper, but they're, Washington's in that mix, too, at 11, where you always have the Ravens in the mix. There were another team that was interested. I know you I know you were mentioning, as well, the Cowboys, but I don't know how likely that would be. And another team, They're one of the top three teams. Yeah. Another team I wouldn't rule out, either, is the Eagles because they have multiple first-round picks, as well. Now, they would probably have to give up a second and, or a third in order to make that And the Cowboys have work. money. The Cowboys have money. They have $26 million now uh, after g- getting rid of play. 
players. So if they want Debo Samuel, they'll get Debo Samuel. Now they have to give up a lot for Right. Him. That's why I'm saying it's very it, – I'm not going to say unlikely because you never know what Jerry Jones. He loves all the flashy players. But it's still – in comparison to other scenarios where the Eagles might just have to do a little bit to get over the Cowboys with all the draft picks they have, they'd probably have to do a one and a three, probably more in comparison to the Jets because their picks are 16 and 19. But still, that might be something that the, the 49ers would consider too. And if that if that's the case, it'll be a battle of who pushes for those extra little bit of draft picks or maybe even another player that is dealt in that deal too. Because, you know, San Francisco, they they love to take on other free agents, guys that have been bust from other teams too. Mm. It's very interesting. Where's Jeff? Usually you have Jeff calling up. and No, Jeff's just commenting more about uh, Robert Sala commenting on uh, signing Marcus Smart to play corner. Then you can see defense. Can we stop with Marcus Smart? I mean, seriously. We understand he's having a good season. What, what, what is the joke here? I, I don't understand it. Like, what's so funny about this? Like, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. He's just obsessed with uh, green teams of other green teams all at once. No, so he's just every green with team Boston has to get sports. fused together, and they are available for everybody. He's so obsessed with his Boston teams. Let's That's just do a hybrid of all the uh, the Jets, the Eagles, the Packers, the Celtics. Uh, who's a green team in baseball? The Athletics. Uh, maybe we just need a hybrid of all those teams. The Dallas Stars. Yeah, just uh, everyone should play defense. Everyone should play offense on those teams. So just make it all together. The hybrid of all colors. <laughs> It's just it's horrible, and and to sit here and and, and talk about it, it's it's ridiculous. We talked about it for a whole thirty minutes in the beginning of the show. We're still talking about the Celtics. Can we not talk about the Celtics at five minutes? You know, how about this? We'll talk the Celtics ten minutes after you know, after the show is over. Okay, that that'll be a good time. And he also says the Jets have, inv- have the second most money invested in their defense, and it's absolutely trash. Jets still doing Jets things. Really? Their run defense was bad, but their pass defense Where, was hold actually on, hold good. On. Half of their money is invested in where? Carl Lawson is getting. And Mosley, that's really. And, uh, the, only two Carl Lawson is a cheap contract. Mosley, yeah, they're paying Mosley, but what does Mosley have left on a contract? Two, two, more, year, two more years. Two more years. That's, not, that's nothing anymore. So what are you talking about? The Jets have nothing invested in their defense. Nothing. There is nothing invested in their defense. Their corners are young. Their safeties, young. They're not paying, uh, what's his name again, May anymore. No. May went to New Orleans. Right. The only other players making double digits, too, are Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers, too, on their defense. Franklin Will- Myers, who's made 50. The Jets gave him a four-year deal, $50 million, which yeah. is worth, what, $12 million He's a year? He's making 12.4 this That's year. That's nothing. Yeah, so it'll drop down even before that. Quinn and Williams is still on his rookie contract, 10.5, which is just high because he was a third overall pick in where, the draft. Where are they spending so much money in these players? And all these contracts are worth Everything that Joe does, because guess what? He can opt out on a 90% of them every single year if he wants. He is, if anything, Joe Douglas is a genius when it comes to signing players. They just haven't worked. None of them have worked. Fawn has. George Fawn has worked. Yeah. That was a good move by him. Right. Bringing in George Fawn, everybody said they, were, they thought it was a terrible move. George Fawn really paid off. McGovern, even though he hasn't stayed healthy, uh, he, he's still bit. useful, yeah. He was a top five center in the league. Versatility-wise, he's still going to be good. And and then the only other one really that has that underwhelmed a little bit last year was Corey Davis, but he also was fighting a lot of injuries. Too, I did so. read that the Jets are done with Denzel Mims. Okay. So, which means the Jets are going to trade him. They're, they, they'll be lucky to get a fourth-round draft pick. If they traded him at the trade deadline like I told them to, they probably would have gotten a second for him. But now, uh, being that they don't need him and he's not going anywhere, I, I mean, no team is interested in him right now as we speak, 
I think at the draft, uh, the Jets will move Denzel Mims. Um, I could see a fourth round. I, I also could – don't rule out this scenario, too. Why not have him be an additional piece of a trade if you're trying to trade for a wide receiver, too, whether it's Debo, whether it's A.J. Brown, too? Instead of having to trade an extra draft pick, maybe have him be packaged in that deal, too, where you trade maybe that 10th pick with a, a fifth-round pick in Denzel Mims or something like that, too, is another option. I don't know how interested the 49ers would be in Denzel Mims. He's not really a, a scheme fit for them, but who knows? Maybe Tennessee would be if it's, if it's A.J. Brown. Washington for McLaurin, something like that scenario could end up working for the Jets where if another team thinks they can develop Denzel Mims and make him the receiver he was supposed to be and showed little flashes of his rookie year, then maybe they have a chip. It's so interesting when you look at the draft and and where some of these teams are going to go and are they going to go after an offensive player, defensive player, special teams player. Uh, There is a kicker in this year's draft that everybody keeps talking about that, uh, could be as as good a kicker as as Tucker, and uh, they're saying that he could go, he could go as early as the second round. So <laughs> the last kicker to go in the second round was Alberto Agayo. So I don't know how much you stock you could take into that. But I, it's interesting better. though because of the, the, it, because of the Bengals last year now because they drafted their kicker in the fifth round McPherson. Now now we're seeing more teams try to like go up for the good kicker because there's not a lot of good kickers in the league. So I, I mean it's not crazy. The Raiders took Sebastian Janikowski in the first round too. So it's uh, Janikowski it's is a Hall of Famer. Yes, he, I think he should be too. Whether whether the kickers finally get the respect they deserve to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he had one of the biggest legs in the league and one of the few lefty kickers really to have that kind of longevity too yeah yes sir jeff where are you clown shoes boy i mean like seriously (laughs) with your clown shoes crap i i'm just speaking the truth everything that comes out of your mouth half the time is just absolutely appalling and stupid you know that but that's you jeff i mean like seriously (laughs) now he says all that's missing is the red nose what is he a reindeer (laughs) he's so stupid you know him and him and snug they would be Two lards ready to do a radio show. We'll call it the Lard Show, okay? With Jeff and <laughs> Jeff and Snug, the Lard Show. So we have we have planned now a Jeff and Kevin show. No, I like the Lard Show. <laughs> and we're I like the Sports Lard Show. <laughs> Sports, the sports lard mouth, or, or we could call them we could call them tubs. The sports lard mouth, the two tubs, two tubs. Stuck <laughs> also says if Joe Douglas was offered the Celtics GM job, he'd jump over there in a heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> Jeff says they don't want him; he'd ruin the Celtics' good defense. <laughs> yeah, okay. The Celtics defense. Yeah, Snug's at least a re- reasonable human. Yeah, he's a reasonable human because he agrees with you. That's about it. You're two Boston fans, so you'll sit there and agree with everything that each other say because you root for the same teams. <laughs> yeah, so that's the cupcake hour. No, yeah, she would probably no, make all the no, show about no, the cupcakes. Tubs. The tubs, I like it. The two tubs. Snug, what do you think? Tubs of cupcakes? Would <laughs> that work tubs. for you? The two tubs. <laughs> I still like Sparks lard mouths, though. The lard mouths, not the, the tubs. I like it. <laughs> and maybe he said, Tyler will be their producer. <laughs> uh, there's no way Jeff would do a show if that was the case. Could you imagine Actually, Tyler as his producer? Yeah, uh, Jeff would just slap him or just <laughs> knock him out or whatever he was going to do in that, uh, that fight that was supposed to happen last year. The two tubs. <laughs> Or Jeff was just saying, oh, I'm going to go in swinging if, uh, the first time I see that. So if Tyler was allegedly producing the show, the Jeff would see him unless it was simulcasted. And then, uh, or, or 
Jeff would try to find out where he was. It would just be swing, funny. Just swing anyway. It would be funny to watch Jeff and Tyler and Snug do a show together. I will 100% swing at him and for sight. Uh, See, Snug loves both of them, so he's not going to partake. Could you imagine that? How about Snug be the producer and Tyler and Jeff do the show together? So, yeah, Jeff would just get knocked out. He'd be out, like the ref. Or Jeff, Jeff would swing and just try to knock out Tyler, and Tyler would Snug either. Would, Snug would bring his cupcakes and feed him his, their cup, his cupcakes, so that'll calm them both down, you know? It'll keep them occupied for a little while. I don't know about with Jeff, but. No, Jeff, Jeff would just swing at Tyler. No, Jeff would take the cupcakes and start throwing it at Tyler. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that seems a little mild for him, for what he said he's going to do to Tyler. And that, when the, wow. you were trying to build up that fight when you, in November or whatever it was. It should have happened, by the way. It really should have. But that that's a whole other story. Love to produce the show. Yes, I'm sure you would, Snug. You love both of them, we know. And the other two are just like bitter enemies. The two other. lards, we'll call it. The two the two tubs of lard, you know? Or the three tubs. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Snug Snug's will be cupcake lard filled filled with cupcake <laughs> batter. He says you think Tyler will take the time away from his clan meeting to another show. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll get booted out anyway. <laughs> Tyler with his Ginobili haircut. That's so funny. <laughs> the funny thing is that uh, he, he makes fun of LeBron all the time, yet he's developing Friar LeBron Tuck, hairline. He calls him Friar Tuck. That's pretty funny. It, it really, just thinking about it. <laughs> Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck versus the tub of lard versus the lard of cupcakes. The lard of cupcakes feature. Slugs, slugs would just be all cupcake batter and lard and whatever he would else want to put in. Can you sell ad space on the show? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Absolutely. Why not? Can we call it the cupcake hour? <laughs> the cupcake hour. Oh, now you're making Snug's dreams come true. The cupcake, the cupcake hour. hour with Snug the cat. It's <laughs> like so we have to get that. Uh, we have to find that. If, if we, you do ever do a cupcake hour, Errol will send you that graphic he had of you two years ago with the cupcake and the cats and the party hats. <laughs> Tyler will go. Uh, will, will be Providence College new mascot. I don't know if Providence would actually use Tyler as a mascot. I don't know if Jeff would ever push for I don't Tyler know if being, fit. being on that on that know. campus, that storied campus. I don't know if he'd fit in the mascot suit. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you you don't want Tyler around uh, your uh, your beloved booster school of Providence. Oh, could you imagine that? Could you imagine Jeff running up to him with a he's wearing a Scott suit during the game, and Jeff has a hammer in his hand. <laughs> Jeff, I don't know if you would want that. I mean, unless you just wanted to go to a Providence game, just because you're you would go to a Providence game, and then you and then you just knock him out anyway. Oh, Jeff says PC is the Friars. <laughs> oh, there you go, Jeff. All right, uh, that's right. I could see Jeff Friar sitting, Tuck. I could see Jeff sitting out in the audience, and all of a sudden you see <laughs> Tyler with the suit on, doing his little dances, and Jeff comes up. He's got a hammer in the back of his pocket, and he's running after him <laughs> through the. The court with a hammer trying to smash him in the head with a hammer. 
<laughs> Jeff will be swinging. He doesn't even need a. He doesn't even need a prop. He doesn't even need, a, need an object. He just he just be swinging wherever uh, wherever Tyler would end up, whether he's in the mascot suit or not. Yeah, PC is the Friars man. You don't think Friar Tuck would? No, be I'm annoyed. I missed that one, Jeff. I'm sorry about that. I, <laughs> that I'm annoyed. Was a, that was a great. That was, that was a great pun. I'm, I'm annoyed. That I missed was a it. great joke, and you guys glossed right over it. No, I I got it. He didn't get it. No, I I, I missed it, Jeff. I'm I'm disappointed in myself. I got you the. You should fire, be. Man. That was a, am, that was a layup. I am, I am brutally disappointed in myself. No, well, you know what won't be a layup is actually, uh, you know, the Friars actually hiring um, Tyler to be his mascot, their mascot. And if they do, I don't think you would like that. And if you, it's a volunteer job. It, so they don't pay him. <laughs> they don't pay him. No, it's a student all the time. Oh. I <laughs> Well, anyways, I, well, unless Jeff's uh, the cheerleaders, no. Unless Jeff's trying to use the, the Tyler uh, would scare the cheerleaders away. Well, that's so. <laughs> I'm just, Jeff, actually, you would. Tyler might actually that, that might be the one opportunity Tyler would have to talk to a cheerleader because <laughs> he'd have that big you know mask on. No one would be able to see his his face. <laughs> Jeff, there is also the other option too. Of you could, you might be able to pay, pay him the booster money, and you could overwork him like your scenario with uh, if you ever bought the Beavs restaurants. But by the way, not for nothing. Have you seen the recruiting class that PC just pulled in? Ooh, we looking good. Well, I just want to. I want to say this: uh, Jay Wright retires. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, when I heard Jay Wright was retiring, I was surprised. I was so yeah. Um. It, it, he has had a, an amazing career, and I thought he could have play, he could have coached for another 10, 15. I don't think he's done. I, he's retired right now. I think he'll be out of the sport for a year or two. Somebody will give him an unbelievable contract. Well, it seems like he's going to be taking some kind of TV gig, and then for right knows, now, maybe, for right now, then yeah, they could always be hired back. To, I, I, know, I, I, coaches always always uh, miss coaching, and Jay Wright's been a coach his whole career, and. Maybe an NBA team looks at Jay Wright and says, "You know what? This might be our chance to land." I, I don't see. I don't see that with him. I think he would have stayed at Villanova. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think he really wants the Why? TV job. I think he really wanted the TV job from what what I've been reading yesterday. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he changes his mind after two years, then go goes to a huge college basketball program again because he, he has been. I would say the last six years he's been the best coach in college basketball. He can coach in the NBA. Oh, I'm not saying he couldn't. I don't know. I just don't know if that's what he wants. Why not? He'll make a lot of money as a head coach. I, I'm sure teams would line up for him. Why not? Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks were interested in him I'm what, not two talking, years I'm ago. I'm not talking about he's the Knicks. No, no, no. no. I'm talking about, about two, three years ago or something like that. Nobody said he's, he's going not, to the Knicks, Jeff. He's not. He's not going anywhere. He's 70 years old and he wants to spend time he's 60. with his family. 60. Jay Wright's 60. 60 years old. He's 60 I thought he was old. older than that. No, no he's 60 years 60 old. 60 years old. I just saw. That's why I was surprised. He's going to be 60. He's 59. All right, he's going to be 60. But that's why I was surprised. Like there was no, there was no hints at it. He's still fairly unless it was internal. He's still fairly young as a coach, and he could coach another 10 years. And I, I could see Jay Wright taking another job. I just, I was very surprised he's walking away from Villanova, especially the success they've had. Mm-hmm. Really, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they went to the Final Four again this year. They won two national championships in the last five years. I mean, that's a success story. And the fact that he's leaving, he is, he was the best coach in the NCAA going into the season. He was. False. I'm not talking about this year. False, False, man. I'm talking about in his five-year stint. The last five years, I think it's a pretty fair assessment. He's been the best coach in the NCAA. Who was the best coach this year? Uh, What are you going to say, the Friars? Go ahead, Uh, say yeah, Ed Cooley from I the see, Friars. He won see? Coach of the Year. No, he did yeah. win Big East Coach of the Year. See, you see this? No, 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 see no, 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 no. He won the National Coach of the Year too. He won. He won the National Coach of the Year. All righty, there you go. 
You know, it, it's so funny. You know, when we bring up, but you no, know, no, this is what's funny about you is you, you like when when a good <laughs> team go. like Providence wins an award, right? Or Marcus Smart wins, you 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 don't even want to say anything about it because oh, now the awards are trash. But that, but for the previous five months, you've had Vlad Guerrero's ball sack on your forehead. <laughs> I have not had Vlad Guerrero's ball sack on my shoulders, man. On my forehead, whatever the hell you said. See, okay. but but yeah, no. Uh, Ed Cooley, national coach of the year this year. Who was the best coach this year? Ed Cooley. That's fine, but the best coach pulling in the down, last five pulling years. Pulling down three. Yeah, what, down what does three he want? The best. What does he want? What did he win? Dude, they're a small school. He's trying to build that program. They weren't very good for a lot of years. Okay, let's see if they win. He'll probably be coaching another team before you know it. He's done. A, he's done a written. Well, he's from Providence. I, you know, I'm not sure he wants to leave. He likes Providence. He's from there, from South Providence, rough South Providence. Rough South Providence. Dude, South Providence is no joke. I don't know All what right. to tell you. I'm just making fun of you. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm sure he's a great coach. Uh, and they pulled down three terrific transfers. Dude. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Devin, Devin Carter, Clifton Moore, Noah Locke. Mm. Dude, oh, I like Noah awesome Locke. Yeah. Yes. yeah, dude. Well, we'll see what they yeah. do. We'll see what they're doing the tournament yeah. next year. Suck says, Jay Wright still has a job with Nova. He's a special advisor to the university president. Oh, I didn't read about that. That's interesting. Yeah, but he's not hes not coaching anymore as far as right now. Yeah, he's just going to advise on who, yeah. to, who to hire next. That's right. really what it's No, they, they already hired from within, too. Or no, they didn't hire from within. A guy that was previously with them that took, I think, Fordham's basketball job and... Then he just went That's back there this That's a pretty jump year. right there for him to, you know, Villanova. Yeah, because he was the assistant there for 2013, I want to say, until, up until 2020. Fordham's basketball team stinks. No, so. I, I know that. But I'm saying, like. So why would they give it to a co- Why would they give a coach, a great coaching program to a guy that can't even get a coach, you know, a team to actually play and win? Okay, that's a stupid move. Because it, it was internal. Somebody he trusts, I understand. I the same yeah. thing like Coach K, and it's right. going to fail. As I've been saying this forever, and yes, Carl, I don't know. It I don't will know. Fail. John Shire. John oh, Shire God, did a please. great job of recruiting. They had no. Listen, hey, you can say whatever you want about Shire. He's not Shashevsky or anything like that, but he did pull down probably the best recruiting class Duke has ever had. We'll see how good they are next year with John Shire coaching at the helm. That'll be great. That'll be great to watch. So uh, you you have an all-time great coach giving it to a guy that was an all-time moron on the basketball court. Thank you, John Shire. Oh, don't tell that to Carl. I don't care. I've never been a John Shire fan. Yeah, we know. I'm a Duke fan. Never liked John Shire. Even at times. John John Shire was a very good player. He was decent. He was decent. He wasn't great. Dude, you you can't be a bum and play for Duke, though. That's the, like, I didn't say he was a bum. I didn't say he was a bum. I never liked him, and I, I just thought he was a bull hog when he played. You know, so whatever. It, it is what it is. I, I just think that was a bad move by them. They were going to bring it. Bobby Hurley is, is the perfect fit for Duke. He was an ex-Duke player, ex-Phenom. That's who I would have brought in. The guy has been actually a successor, a successful story in the NCAA as a head coach. Put somebody in there that has been a part of the Duke organization and actually knows what he's doing. Okay? That's just what I'm saying. John I mean, Shire. Shire's been there since he graduated right. college, though. He's been working there. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. How many I, years is that? Five or six years? Uh, he's been there for four, I think. I think he's been there four as an assistant. But I, I, I'll tell you this. John Shire won't be there as long as three years. He will be fired. Because Duke is not, uh, Duke's not winning nothing. I don't care about their recruiting class. Uh, the Duke's had all – every year they have a good recruiting class. And every year they, they just they, – they, 
they choke in certain spots. And, and now Coach K is not there to try to, you know, clean up the mess. I, John Shire is there. So we'll see how quick he cleans up the mess when there is a mess. Yeah, it was assistant head coach 2014-18 and then was associate assistant and then an associate head coach from 2018 up until this year. So I guess he's, he's experienced a little bit there. But we'll have, to see. we'll have to see if he could take over. Obviously, not going to take over the level of Coach K, but at least to keep the program sustainable. Now, you're, Jeff's right. They did have four or five-star recruits. Three of them actually are big men, too, which is actually interesting. That's not – I mean, not that Duke's never had good big men. It's not the forte to have, like, all those big men all at once, though, too. Too. And well, then they the had others. a problem actually rebounding this year. So. Yeah, they did. And then uh, Derek White had a small forward too, six foot six, one ninety as well. Yeah, they got a good like like. Listen, they might be good, they might be bad. Who knows? But they that's four or five star recruits. That's more than anyone else in the country. And you know, maybe they don't pan out. Maybe it doesn't work. But that's a pretty goddamn good recruiting class. Yeah, it's good on paper. But we've seen when we heard good on paper and crappy all the other way around. So. It's interesting. It really is. But... Says, I hope, I'm sure he's, he's helping the university get donations. Oh. This guy improved Fordham's record by 14 games from the previous year. And, well, John Shire is no Hubert Davis, but few are. <sighs> Here he goes. Fordham and... used to be a good program, too. They used to be. When I was a kid, the A-10 was, like, a big deal. When, like, Calipari was at UMass. And, you, dude, you, do you remember those URI teams? URI had Lamar Odom. Catino Mobley and um, God, who was the third one? I, I forget. But uh, I remember URI was I remember yeah. Him. URI URI was a beast back then. Fordham was really good. Dude, St. Joe's was really good. Yeah, yeah they were a one Joe's seed one year. I remember that. <clears throat> right, the A10 used to be like a big deal, dude. When dude, when John Cheney was at Temple, Temple was always good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's not a lie. <clears throat> I do want to get into some baseball. And, um, oh, the Yankees again? No, no I, I, well, the Yankees are something that people want to talk about right now. And, and no, I, they're not. Yes, they are. And I, I've been talking. Yes, I talked to a writer today that it's almost a guarantee that uh, Judge is not going to resign uh, with the New York Yankees. He shouldn't. He's he not. Shouldn't. They he's, disrespected him. They're, they're disrespected him. They gave him. They offered him thirty-seven million a year. What's disrespectful about that? They should have. They should have given him a contract before the the arbitration years all ran out. They should have already done paid him. First of all, they offered him thirty-seven million, which would made him the highest paid Yankee. What are you complaining about that for? He was never signing with the Yankees. That's the truth. He always wanted to. I I really believe he wants to see what's out there and what what team is going to offer him the most money. He says the Yankees will be in the mix. The Yankees aren't going to offer him any more money than that because they're going to go after um they're going to go after the kid from um Washington, which everybody Soto, comes. Yeah. They that's what I've been reading. They they're going to go heavily after Soto, especially now that Aaron Judge decided not to and I told my friend who's a big Yankee fan and a big Aaron Judge fan. Just just hit, hit, his son loves him. And Aaron, every they've gone to a bunch of baseball games. Aaron's thrown his son a ball and signed it. I, I said, get used to this because Aaron Judge will not be a Yankee next year. So he, he wants that Max Scherzer money. Well, uh, I like Aaron, but he's not he's not Max Scherzer, and he's not the he's not the third, fourth, or fifth best player in the league. So he shouldn't get that money. And he's getting more. If <clears throat> if he take that money with the Yankees, he would be making more money or the same amount of money as Mike Trout, and he's not even anywhere close to the player Mike Trout is. So. Uh, to, the fact that the Yankees, uh, the Yankees offered him thirty-seven million, I would have taken it. I would have, but you know what? Play the market, 
bet on yourself this year. By the way, you're starting off poor. So if you come to the Yankees at the end of the season and you say, I'll take the con- – I don't know if the Yankees are going to give him the contract. You know, so yeah, I don't know. There's much unless he has this insane season. There's not much he's going to do to improve his value the way it was from the Yankees' initial contract. I mean, right now, right now at 44 at bats, he has 11 hits. He's batting 250, has two, five runs, two RBIs, and one home run. You're, you're and you're and you're you're asking for 40 million, 40 possibly 45 million. And by the way, in about a week, next week you're going to be 20, you're going to be 30 years old. You know who should sign him? If if Judge actually leaves the Mets, you know who should actually sign him? The Mets. Mets. Uncle Stevie should throw a bag out, right? And then he doesn't want it. I'm reading. He he does not want Aaron Judge, and he will not pay Aaron Judge any more than what the Yankees offered him. So uh, that has been said. He's not. He should. Imagine having Aaron Judge. Uh, uh, for protection behind the best power hitter in baseball in the polar bear. The polar bear. Get the hell out of here. And polar bear power. Polar bear power. You're, you're out of your damn mind. And by the <laughs> way, the team that I predicted, Speedy, who did I predict he's going to? The Red Sox. I think he's going to go to the Red Sox. That's why I think Zero he's chance. Zero, Zero chance, chance right the now. The Red, the Red Sox don't, are, are, are a franchise not really paying people, right? Because it, they're already – struggling, debating between do they keep Bogarts or not, or, or do they sign Devers or not? They're or not going to bring Bogarts There's... back. They're going to move um, Story to the shortstop position, and they're going to sign Aaron Judge. He grew up a Red Sox fan, and I'm telling you, in, unless he goes home, unless he goes to California like the L.A. Angels, which is good. He yeah. grew up an Angel. The was... Angels are another team that sneakily pay a lot of money to yes, people. And, and, and remember, Aaron Judge was not drafted by the Yankees. He wasn't. He was traded to the Yankees. He was actually drafted by Oakland as the 31st pick. In well, they're, they're out. They, you know they don't pay. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that's where he's going. But I'm saying. No, they barely have a stadium. <laughs> and then, obviously, the Yankees, um, he, the Oakland Athletics didn't sign him. And then he went back into the draft. And the Yankees drafted him at 32nd in 2013. So, uh, I think what I think is going to happen is he either goes home to the Angels, where that's where he's from over there, that area, or he goes to the team that he grew up a fan of, and that's the Red Sox. And I'm not going to be surprised if, if the, the Red Sox sign him, because I could see the Zero Red Sox. Zero chance he's a Red Sox. Right. Zero chance. Heim Bloom is not handing out contracts like that. He's not. All right. I beg to differ. Stuck says... Stuck says Jameer Nelson and St. Joseph's. Uh, the Yankees should have taken care of him before last year. And and we told you that the Yanks should have traded him last year to get max value. You know, that was Tyler. Jameer. But Jameer wasn't the only one there. That, whoever I'm forgetting who it was, but whoever was Jameer's backcourt partner was another super stud at St. Joe's. They had the best backcourt in college basketball I think I might have ever seen. Stuck says the Angels don't care. They pay everyone. Didn't he play, didn't he play with uh, the guy that was sleeping with LeBron's wife or something like that? Oh, that's who it was. Was it Delonte West? Yeah, it was Delonte West. That's right. Dude, dude, Delonte West and Jameer. And, and listen, say what you want about Delonte West now, and everyone can make the jokes and the, the, all that kind of stuff and whatever. Dude, Delonte West was a beast back then. A beast. He was a good basketball player. And they went to Cleveland and won a championship. Uh, no, he didn't win the championship. He lost he, the Spurs. Yeah, he played. He played with yeah. LeBron James. I, I remember that, and he was actually pretty good. He was like a sixth or seventh <laughs> man off the bench. Even Delonte West with the Celtics was a good player, man. It's kind of when he went to Dallas when he kind of went off the rails a little. Yes. So it, it's it, it's interesting, but we'll see where Aaron Judge goes. I do not believe the Yankees will sign him. Um, 
I think that especially if he comes out where he doesn't have the season he had last year, I, I, I mean, the Yankees actually could probably offer him less, but I don't, I don't think he'll take it, but right. somebody will give him money because he's a name, but coming off a season where he's only, he's batting uh, like three, 30 points less than what he had last year. And, uh, not 30, 30 to 35 home runs in 100 RBIs. I don't see him getting more than what the Yankees offered him. And uh, that that's that's telling. We've seen, you know, players actually challenge what teams are and you go out in your, you know, your arbitration year and you have a good season. Right now, I know it's early. Aaron Judge is not having a good season. We've seen trends now where especially hitters have tried to bank on themselves too. Sometimes it's worked, but sometimes it doesn't where you end up. Simeon's did it. Simeon did it and it worked, but there are other instances where a lot of these veteran hitters will keep getting one year contracts just to try to prove themselves. Maybe they're winning teams and maybe they win a championship. Okay. But still it's one of those cases where it's still going to be hard to bank on that scenario, just on the popularity alone with the way GMs are in today's baseball too. And I'm, I'm I like Aaron judge. He's not one of my favorite players on the Yankees, but I like him. He's had one year with over 100 RBIs. I mean, honestly, one year in the three, six, seven years in the N- the MLB. And he's one of the top ten players in the league. Crazy to say that because that's what everybody believes. He's had one year over 100 RBIs. And maybe because it's injuries, maybe it's that. May, may, all I don't want to hear it. The fact is, this man was offered $37 million a year. And having one year with 100 RBIs, it, that's honestly, that's not, if you're a Yankee fan, that's a good, that's a good contract that the Yankees offered him. That's a nice contract. The fact that he maybe, didn't take it. Maybe the downside is that he has to be in New York. Maybe no one wants to play there. Uh, no, it, it, the, the downside is he wants to see what the market's going to offer him. That's what he, he thinks he can make an extra 30 or 40 million uh, for, for the contract. If he thinks that, good for him. All the power to him. The Yankees aren't going to give Aaron Judge, uh, you know, for a seven-year deal, $250 million. They'd rather probably give, go after Soto, make a trade for Soto, and give him a 12-13 year and pay him four $500 million where they get be- the better player and better for the buck and a younger player. So and, and Soto already says he wants out. Now, they do have control of him <clears throat> for another two years after this year. So what are the Nationals going to do? But I think if the Nationals can get – you know, I heard that, you know, Volpe could be a top three, you know, prospect by the end of the season. He's hitting right now. He's got two home runs right now in the minors. Uh, he could turn out to be a top three prospect. He's n- number 10 right now in, in the baseball digest. So if he fought, I mean, that would be a nice lead chip for the Yankees to trade for a Juan. So they're going to have to give up a lot more than that. Oh, sure. Uh, Dominguez and, and maybe somebody, you know, a couple other players. But the the Yankees have a chance. They they. they they want Juan Soto. They can get him. So uh, it, it's going to be very interesting, you know, in the offseason and what the Yankees are going to do with this Aaron Judge thing. But I, I, I don't think Yankee, Yankee, you know, Yankee ownership is going to sit there and cry if Aaron Judge goes somewhere else. I really don't. Stuck says the Angels just, don't care. They pay everyone. I heard Aaron Judge wants to try out for the Celtics. And the downside is he's still a Yankee a joke with this. and doesn't think he can win a ring there. No, he thinks he can win a ring there. He wants a lot of money. That's what he wants, and the the Yankees aren't going to go. Listen, if if the Yankees offer him two hundred and fifty million right now, if the Yankees gave him two hundred thirty and seventeen millions with his arbitration this year, which make two hundred thirty for the extension, he would be averaging thirty seven million a year, which would make him 
the what third highest player in the league yeah. for a guy that's only had one year with 100 RBIs. He's not Mookie Betts, who's won an MVP. Now, he should have won the MVP when he had his 100 RBI season, but he didn't. So he's had one year with 100 RBIs. He is, he is not Max Scherzer. Okay, and Max Scherzer, I know he's old to play. Three years. Max Scherzer is a three-time Cy Young winner, a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest pitchers of our era. Okay, and he's not Mike Trout, which, by the way, he'd be making more than Mike Mike Trout is a year. Okay, so what does that tell you? Isn't that alarming for the player? So, uh, so we go back and forth. He'd be the second highest player, player, positional player in, in all of baseball. And he's still complaining about that. He wants $40 million a year? Then go somewhere else. The, the Yankees, going back to the Soto scenario, in the according to the MLB pipeline, yeah. have four top 100 prospects. Volpe, like you were saying, is number eight yes. in, in that system. And they, a lot of people think he'll be a top three by the end of this season. Peraza, the other shortstop you've mentioned a lot, 59. Yeah. Dominguez is currently 60. And then Austin Wells is number 95 right now. They can so, give all four of those guys up for a Soto. Yes, they can. And they, they can get them, mm-hmm. you know, if they really want them. So maybe the Yankees do that. Maybe I, I think they love Volpe. I don't know if they're going to be willing to give him up. But, again, uh, if somebody like that is sitting there and you have the chance to get a 23-year-old uh, superstar who, who can absolutely solidify that lineup for the next, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years at his age. I, I mean, and he wants to go to a big marketplace, right. and he grew up a Yankee fan. So I could see the Yankees. I've read a lot of different things that the writer said the Yankees are looking at him now. Maybe maybe Judge sees that. Maybe Judge sees that the Yankees are more interested in him than they are of, uh, of Judge. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what the reason was, but come on. Uh, you know, come on, um, Jeff. If you're sitting here right now and Aaron Judge gets offered $37 million for seven years, a guy that can't stay healthy and has had really two good years out of the seven he's been in a league, I mean, I take that money. I take that money. So, I, I mean, mean, it's just sad to me to see a poverty franchise like this just get taken advantage of. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, just, uh, I, I just don't. I, I, I know Yankee fans don't want to hear that because they love Aaron, but uh, I'm just telling you, he's gone. There's no way they're bringing him back. There's no way he's signing with the Yankees at the end of the season. Enjoy it, cherish the moment that he's there because. Honestly, he'll go somewhere else, and he'll, he'll get hurt, and money is going to be down the drain. I, I'm not paying Aaron Judge more than $213 million. I'm very surprised he got that offer. Yeah, I am too. So it, it's just I, – I, actually, Brian Cashman was being nice, you know, because I, I don't give him that money. He's a corner outfielder, and by the, end, by the beginning of next year, he'd be almost 31 years old. Why would you do that? So that means by the end of his career, he'll be what, almost 39. So, <laughs> it's always sad to me when things like this happen. It's not sad to me. I think the Yankees are being a little smarter now with the money. And, so basically uh, you're describing the perfect contract for the Angels. Long contract that they shouldn't give, but we'll give anyway, and then it'll just get hurt right away. As we've seen with Rendon, as we've seen I with Pujols. I, I don't think he'll, he'll go out west because he's from out west. He's adopted, if anybody knows anything about Aaron Judge. He's an adopted player. Um, no one should. No, I'm just saying. Um, but he's... He's from the California area, but uh, he grew up a Boston Red Sox fan. So, uh, if Boston, everybody does, no, they don't. Uh, if Boston, if if Boston makes an offer, right, he might take it. You know, so uh, he should. I I don't know if he should, but he he might. Of course he should. He, he wants to play for a winner. No winner. What has Boston won in the last two years? 
more more they've done better than the Yankees have. Yeah, they have, no question. That's not saying much. So you know, whatever. Whatever. absolutely body bagged them in the last wild card oh, game could we ever stop in baseball with this history. For, I don't know about body bagged them. Body bag them. Go look at that score. Body bag. It wasn't a body bag. What are you talking? Absolutely about? Absolutely wild. You are so out of your mind. You know that you sit here and, and it was you... and it was awesome too. I remember when Aaron Judge played New York, New York after beating Fe- uh, you know, yes, we remember. Fenway one time. Yes, then what happened? Then what happened, Aaron? Now, that was a body bag. They gave three of that series. Yeah, that was a body bag. Of course it was. Of course, course it was. was. Of course it this was. This poverty franchise. Poverty. Yeah, this one, not so much. This was a four to two game. Poverty that was franchise. Body bag. Could you stop with the poverty franchise? The Yankees they are, have... It's, it's sad. I feel bad for them. You feel bad for who? The Yankees. Who's won 27 just, World Series. Oh, yeah. You feel bad for the I Yankees. I know. I know. When baseball players were plumbers. Uh, plumbers. <laughs> the Yankees have won more championships in the last 30 years than any team in baseball. Okay? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the last the last few years have uh, been pretty whatever, sad. Whatever. The last 30 years, sad. they've won more championships than any team in baseball. They've won more games than any team in baseball in the last 35 years. Okay, so I just feel bad for them. It's just sad what they've become. It's just they're a shell of themselves. You, you sound like a Boston Red Sox fan, but that's fine. No, yeah. I sound I sound like someone that's been watching base this this team. That uh, they're not good. Uh, yeah. They're very bad. They're very, very bad. Very You've bad. watched eleven games and they're very bad. Oh, by the way, they're tied in first place. They're so bad. Horrible. Well, right, because they're totally into the season. There's no separation. Oh, yet. horrible. They're a horrible team. It was sad. It was they're a, hor- they're a horrible team. Year. They're in first place. They're horrible. Yeah, great. great George job. is rolling over in his grave right yeah, now. Yeah, because he has to look at you. That's why. I would I would love to see him be a Met. Mm. Pair him up with the polar bear. Oh, God, that would yeah, be great. The problem is, if he becomes a Met, he'll probably get hurt right away. Between <laughs> his injury, injury history and the Mets, unfortunately. He's not going to the Mets. This is so Pair ridiculous. him with the polar bear. He's not going to the Mets. I, we're sitting here listening to this crap. And by the way, the Yankees have the second best record in the whole American League. Uh, sit, tied in second in the, the best uh, second, third best record in all of the American League. I know yeah. they're all separated by like half a game. It's I'm just really, saying. He I says just, no, bad. I know. I know. He's not. They're not bad. Seven and six is not bad at this point. They the only team that's bad the in the American bit. League is the Rangers right now. <laughs> saying that he's bad. They're bad. It's, it's so ridiculous. That's what should happen. They should pair him with the polar bear. Yeah, you know what? Should, they should pair you up with my. Flip flop on the side of your head. You're, you know, you're, you're, wow. you're, you're violence. A, I don't condone this. You're a hypocrite. That's nope. what you are. The only violence you condone is just try to slap Tyler the moment That's you see about him. it. Or hit him with a hammer, That's, or you know, beat him. That, with I, a, I've, I've never, I've never said anything like that. You don't want to beat him with a hammer. I've never. I don't said think he said hammer. Like I don't think you don't want to hammer. beat him with a hammer if you had a chance to beat him with a hammer. Dude, I've never said anything like that. If you remember, I was the one that was threatened, wasn't I? Yes, but then you threatened him back. Did you not? Uh, no, I j- offered to make his dreams come true. <laughs> his dreams come true. And what are those? What are those dreams? He wanted to smack me. I gave him the opportunity. <laughs> Isn't that what, what happened? Yep. Oh, God, Jeff. Sex says the che- cheering for the Red Sox is the natural inclination of good children. 26 World Series last century. And the power of the polar bear is legendary in New York. Oh, yeah. Is that oh, what it, it is? absolutely is. Anyways, it uh, absolutely is. All right, so let's let's finish up here. Uh, I mean, Speedy, uh, what are your thoughts with the Mets? Ten and four, uh, fourteen games in. 
uh, best record in baseball as of right now. I mean, as a right, Mets fan, Stevie's got that team rolling. Uh, as a Mets fan, you should be happy. I think the Mets fans are like blowing. I, I, Josh is like having like a heart attack right now. We're winning the World Series. I see all these signs in a thing. I, they're not winning the World Series. Yeah, well, you, you have to, we have to see past <clears throat> April because we've seen the Mets have great Aprils in the past, and then they either struggle in May or they struggle in June. The thing is with the Mets though is they're actually doing more complete things. The Mets were always all right. They could hit a little while, then they could pitch a little while. But they would still make bonehead defensive players, or they make bonehead base running plays. They're actually doing well in the little things that the Mets and Lindor is actually hitting. And Lindor is actually hitting. They have a well-rounded. They have a well-rounded collection of guys that can hit doubles, guys that have hit home runs too. They're doing a mixture of everything. And finally, finally, they are hitting with runners in scoring position. It is about time. After the Mets have been the worst team in the National League last year, the second worst team the year before, in a year where they were second on base percentage, like third and run score, they could hit with runners in scoring position in the short season. And the, and, and the other thing you should be excited about, Speedy, too, is they're a team that actually has, like, clutch players. You know what I'm saying? It's about like, time. Play, like, clutch playoff players. Like, when was the last time you've seen – you know, like a good player come to New York like that. Like, it just doesn't happen all that often. Well, yeah, the Mets have had talent, even with their past offensive lineups, they've had talent in the lineup that didn't wasn't hitting with runners with scoring position. They had guys that led the league in strikeouts all the time, or they just, they hit under 230 with runners in scoring position in certain years, too. Now, again, playoff identity is something that still is unknown with a lot of these players, too. We've seen Lindor in the playoffs, Marte a couple times, and Kana, but not it's not much with the experience from that standpoint, so that's still an unknown with this team. Buck Showalter's been in. He's been okay. Kana's been the best hitter. Kana's been really good. Yeah, he, he unfortunately, he had to miss some time because he caught COVID, but before that, he had a really ridiculous tear to start the season. He's hitting 379. I know. And now you're seeing Escobar hit. He's been their best hitter like the last week. And then Alonzo and Lindor are finally doing what they're supposed to do, too. Alonzo, a strong start to the season. Three home runs, 14 RBIs. And Lindor, what a start he's had to his season, too. Hitting home runs, stealing bases, hitting for batting average. He had right one now, bad defensive game, right, and that was it. Right now, the Met fans should be happy with Lindor. We'll see what he does as the season progresses and he gets into those slumps. And uh, we've seen him get into really deep slumps where he can't hit the ball. But right now, uh, if you were to say right now he's an MVP candidate, uh, but it's still very right. early. <laughs> so really early. And it's... the Polar Bear is probably going to lead the league in home runs. Not home That's runs. He doesn't even game. lead the team in home runs. No, he has three home runs, but 14, 14 RBIs, RBIs was the best the... in the National League yes. as of like two days ago. I'm not sure if it is now. Uh, still striking out a lot of 14, yes. but still, that's, that's never been a big strength of his, but still. Uh, and Pete, Lonzo, Pete Alonso last year got into these skids where he couldn't hit the ball either. Yeah, that's been his whole career, unfortunately, you know. so far. He had that big first half in his rookie year. Then he had that two months after uh, after the All-Star break where he had trouble hitting home runs. He still got on base but, and did other things, but still, they, the Mets were reliant on that with the offensive. They had to put together that season, too, when they had that one massive hot streak, and then all of a sudden they fell off, and when everyone thought they were going to make the playoffs, and they had the, and they ended up losing that spot out too. I think it was you know, I've been very impressed with uh, this year for the Yankees is Rizzo. Rizzo's had a good year. He's I, I know it's early, but he I think he's got four home runs still. Yeah, he was leading the Yankees with RBIs too, and yeah, that's he, a good that's a good sign for somebody that's been bumped around the lineup certain points too. And I, I saw game, some games where he was hitting like sixth too, which yeah. is weird. Well, he's got ten RBIs. He's got four home runs. He's he's batting two thirty three, but he's not. A, he doesn't hit for average. He doesn't strike out a lot either. He has seven strikeouts. Yeah. So uh, he's had. He's so far started off really. The problem with the Yankees right now, and I, I will say this: the Yankees aren't hitting for average, and they they started off slow. But last year they started off very slow offensively. And they got hotter as the season progressed. So 
hopefully this lineup starts to wake up because they just haven't, you know, they haven't hit the ball. And that's been a huge problem. And this lineup should be hitting. There's no reason why right. this lineup should not be hitting. And now they're going into the Mets problems of years past where they're not hitting with runners in scoring position either. And that's a big problem. They're losing a lot of these tight games so far too. And also, we've also seen in the past where at least if the Yankees didn't have the world-class batting averages, probably outside of LeMahieu. They never do. They at least had the on-base percentage. Now this year, they have Rizzo has a great on-base percentage, 400. And then uh, LeMahieu and Hicks. But that's so far been but the that's, only ones. But that's also Aaron Judge hasn't hit yet. Yet. John Carlos Stanton, he's hitting, you know, he's got a couple, he's got eight RBIs and two home runs, but he really hasn't hit yet. These, all these guys, their bats are going to wake up. Glaber Torres' bat is going to wake up. He's not going to be hitting like this all season long. Uh, so, I mean, this is a line, this is too good of a lineup for this lineup to be hitting what it is. So eventually, these bats will wake up. It's also very cold outside, and when it gets warmer, these hit, these hitters get better. And that we've seen that. Just oh, like stands the epitome of that. So it, we we've seen it. Donaldson too. He's a good hitter in the in the summertime. So again, I think this the, their bats will wake up. The, the problem is, and the sad part of this is, is their lineup, which was supposed to be so deadly and one of the best lineups, one of the top five lineups in baseball has not been a top-five lineup in baseball. It's probably been their weakness. So, so says, Speedy, if the Mets win a World Series, will you be getting a tattoo, maybe a polar bear tattoo? Fine, Snug, just for you, I'll do it. No, you don't. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, what happened? I, I, I want you writing that one down. Yeah, I'll remember it. Oh, my God. Do we get to pick the tattoo? No, it's going to be a polar bear tattoo. Snug picked it out. A polar bear tattoo. It's so, got to be on your. It's got to be on your the middle of your chest. Okay, that's fine. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. All right. If somehow the Mets do win oh, the World this Series, will be interesting. Somehow the Mets do win the World Series, just for you, Snug. Oh man, that'll be so funny, Jeff. That'll be really funny. I'm I'm gonna go and watch him scream his ass off. <laughs> oh, dude, this is gonna be absolutely wild. I'm gonna record it. It's gonna be so funny. <laughs> Right in the middle of his chest. And by the way, the Mets have a chance to win the World Series this year. They do. They, oh. they could stay healthy. Because that is some more details. They, 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 they have. If if Degrom comes back and he's healthy, and he he could stay healthy for the rest of the season. This 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 pitching staff is the best in baseball with with Jacob Degrom, um, Max Scherzer, and Bassett, Bassett yeah. who I think. Could win the Cy Young this year, who's been, I believe, the best pitcher in baseball in his first two starts. I mean, I watched him in both his starts. He, he was unhittable. Yeah, had a rough one yesterday against the Giants, but the Giants are a good team, though. So was that, was, that was his third start? That was his third start. Oh, that I didn't the, even that watch that was the first. That, yeah, that's the first bad one he's had this year. But again, again, the Giants are a good team, though, so it's not like it's not like you're hitting, it's not like you're struggling badly against the Nationals or something like that. <laughs> so, the other problem with that is, like, it doesn't matter if you're a good pitcher or a bad pitcher. Just It happens to everyone. Guys just have, like, bad starts sometimes. Dude, you could be a a 20-win-a-year pitcher, and you're probably still going to end up still losing five or six games, and a couple of those probably aren't going to be good outings. That's fair. I'm just saying there's a little more leeway, I would say, if he did it against the Giants versus if he did it against the Diamondbacks or something like that. Uh, Stug also says, holding a baseball bat with a Mets logo. (laughs) Suddenly, I'm even more of a Mets fan. Maybe Speedy's dog could be coming up behind the polar bear. That will never happen. Why not? I have I'm not letting him do that. I I have never rooted so hard for the Mets as I am right now. Why are you rooting for them? I don't understand. I I, I have to have a Speedy tattoo. (laughs) We have to see this. 
Well, you will because I'm going to record it. Uh, I'm going to watch him scream when he has this polar bear being, you know, <laughs> tattooed on his stunt. Can't on his wait chest. for Speedy to. Can't wait for Speedy to go home and explain to his parents how that giant tattoo ended up there. Well, well, we'll be celebrating the Mets winning the World Series, so it won't even matter. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it'll matter, but it, like it, they'll know it'll be for a good reason. <laughs> good reason. Hey, the Mets won a World Series. I mean, yeah, that's a for a fan that has not seen that in his lifetime. Yeah, that's a pretty good reason. And same thing with my brothers; they haven't seen that either. Well, maybe your brother should do it too. You know, the should. whole family should. Maybe get they should. Bears. Yeah, maybe they should. All of them get a polar bears put on their on their chest. Yeah, you know? That's what I want now: family tattoos. <laughs> he can't promise that, but he can promise his chest. Uh, and, and I'm gonna. He's better stick to this because. Uh, when it happens, and if it happens, I'm actually, I don't care if the Mets win the World Series. It's not going to hurt me as a Yankee fan. I don't care less. You know, so I hope the Mets win the World Series too because I want I want to be there when Speedy gets his polar bear. And by the way, uh, when the polar bear has to, it has to be a funny polar bear too. Oh, I'm sure Slug would be love to have a funny polar bear. No, I'm going to have to pick something funny like him and like in a sweater or something like that. <laughs> A Mets sweater. Sug described the details. He wants a polar bear bed tattoo holding a baseball bat with the Mets logo. But the Mets logo could be on a sweater. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at that. Speedy's all all into it as long as they win the World Series. Look at that, Jeff. This is going to be the greatest time ever. <laughs> the Mets will be the toast of New York for a while, Star says. You're probably right. And uh, Speedy will be the toast of this show when he gets it. That's for sure. Well, they for sure would be. <laughs> he also says, now I'm a colossal Mets fan. <laughs> Who said that? Snug. <laughs> well, good for him. I, I, I think, listen, the Mets have a very good chance this year. They, they're going to have to stay healthy. But um, if they do, um, there's a very good chance. Their lineup is hitting. But I don't think this lineup's going to be hitting the way it is all season long. Okay, you just want to hope that you don't have it where everyone's down all at once like it was last year in the second half. Like of the I said, when it gets warmer out, a lot of these teams are going to start hitting. And that's when we'll see how good this Met team is. Because they started off very strong last year. They did. They, that's what I'm saying. They, in the second half of the season, they had good individual spurts offensively, but they didn't hit collectively as a team. There was a stretch where Alonzo was the only one hitting out of the All-Star break. Then once they got Baez, Baez started off really well with them. <laughs> then he was the only one hitting. And then once he died out, it was Lindor who was the only one hitting. And then in, in September, it was only Baez again. Nobody else hit collectively as a team. So hopefully the Mets can avoid that with the depth that they have. But so far, so good with that because... Again, we were talking about Kana earlier. Kana was the best hitter for the first two weeks of the season. Then he got COVID. Then Escobar kind of took over that kind of role, too. And the top three, Lindor, Alonzo, Marte, have been so steady so far, at least. So there you go. Remember, Speedy, the season doesn't start until the first Met gets hurt. Oh, the first Met got hurt before the season started. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need an in-season injury. That's that's how it happens. And it might happen. It, it probably will happen. Might. It's going to happen. It, it probably will. Well, the only injury so far has been Trevor May, so that's a good sign. Yeah, well, and uh, I, again, it's still very early, and that, that's why you, you, it's all about depth. And yep. we'll see what happens. I mean, all the good teams have great depth. Yes. I mean, over the years, the Red Sox have had good depth. The Yankees have had good depth. The Rays have had good depth. I mean, St. Louis has always had good depth. The Braves have had good depth. The Braves still have good depth. Yeah, so I'm just saying, that's what happens. All the good teams always have good depth. 
when they lose players. So we'll see where the Mets are. are they are, they have the depth that they can. And yes, Uncle Stevie is opening up his pockets. But uh, the question is, is his pockets that are open, are, are, is it going to help them win? That's the question. Stuck says, is there any way you could incorporate the beeve making coleslaw in the background of the tattoo? It's a solid question. That would be interesting if we can get the beeve to agree with it if the Mets win the World Series. <laughs> yes, we need bear. a collective deal with that. that I'll, that'll that'll work. Never, that'll be the dual deal. I doubt would, the beeve will do it. He either, would though. never do it. He always swore to me he would never get a tattoo. And he would never put. A I tool. need the bees to get a tattoo of a tub of coleslaw on his chest, <laughs> with a Mets symbol on it. <laughs> he's but too I'm busy. Saying. He's too busy right now, you know, with the Rangers. So uh, he's like all, you know, oh, yeah. crazy with the, in the first round. Good for them. Well, if they play Boston, there's a good chance that could happen. I mean, they they match up very well against the Rangers. So we'll see what happens. It, it's it's still how many games left? Six. It's like four now for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I didn't even think there was that many. Yeah. No, it, the Rangers have, have four more left after tonight, or including tonight. When's the playoffs start? May? Yeah, it'll be, the, it'll be the first week of May is when the, the whole playoffs start. The regular season ends at different times last yeah, week, I'm waiting, ne- next week. I'm waiting for the, um, I'm waiting for the, the games and the, the series to start so I can apply for uh, credentials to some of the series. Because I want to go, if the Rangers play in the first round, I, I'd like to go, if they're playing Boston, I'd like to go to Boston a couple of times. So, of course, best best playoff atmosphere in the league. Oh, best playoff! I actually like the Boston fans over there. I, I actually They're got terrific. along. I actually got along with a lot of the Boston fans there when I was working the press over there for the Stanley Cup Finals. We, I, I met a bunch of people that uh, really enjoyed my comedy. So, um, very nice people over there. As far as what I've seen, and they don't, they don't hate, uh, they don't hate the Islander fans, and they don't hate Long Islanders. So that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, the Bruins have five games left. The Rangers have four right now. Mm. And, yeah, most most other teams. Yeah. And I hated Merchant before that series, by the way. I hated him. But after I'm sure some, you weren't the only one. <laughs> after I saw some of the things that I saw over there and just having a, a couple of good conversations with him when I was there, uh, I like him. I, I think Marchant's a standout guy. I, I think he's crazy, you know, a psycho. Oh, no question about that. <laughs> I think he's a psychopath when he gets mad, but. Uh, oh, I th- I thought he was nice. Uh, he didn't say anything to me that make me think that he was an ass. So uh, he's a great guy. He's an absolute gentleman. I don't know about gentlemen. I mean, spitting at people and trying to bite them is not a gentleman. <laughs> lick them, yeah. And lick them. I mean, that's not a gentleman. But um, as far as Listen, what... that's hockey, you played hockey. Yes. You know, there's a bunch of weirdos that play hockey. Yes, but uh, I, I hope Errol didn't lick anybody or been licked by anybody. Oh though. no, but I, I would do <laughs> I would do vicious things too. But I'd never try to bite anybody. You know, so uh, that's but that's him. I mean, I, I mean, I heard stories that he, you know, when he was on the ground with somebody, he tried to bite their leg. You know, the back of their leg. So, I mean, Marshan's been, you know, he's got an interesting personality, but. Uh, what I saw with him and having a conversation, I told you, I had like two or three conversations with him. I thought he was really, really nice. Uh, and I saw the thing that he did for the kid with the balloon. Yes. Uh, yeah, he told me that story. Um, that was a great very, story. Um, just very impressed with his personality. I didn't think he was that good of a person, but that's just me. But anyways. He's an amazing guy. I'm he's sure a, he is. He's a Bruin. He's a Bruin. He's a Boston guy, and that's why you love him. Thank you, Jeff. And just saying, man, you know, you don't give these Bruin guys enough credit. I just did. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but see, yeah, but it took you to have to be oh. like, oh, I went and saw the studio. They're good people, man. 
the Boston fans were nice to me. They didn't do anything to bother me. So uh, I and they knew. But this I, is what I'm saying. Boston gets a bad rap for like no reason. It's a great place to go and hang out. And- the Red Sox fans are asses, dude, and I I know they are. But the Bruin fans were they weren't. I I didn't. They're the same not, people. Not all. Not that's not true. That's not true, Jeff. Just because they're from Boston doesn't mean a lot of the Boston fans are Boston Bruin fans. That's not true. One of my college friends was a Bruins fan. Because I'll tell you Yankees this. Fan. I'll tell you this. I met a lot of Bruins fans, a lot, a lot of Bruin fans that actually like the Yankees. Yeah, and, I had a friend in college that was like um, that. So, yeah. I, had a, I saw a lot of Bruin fans that were Met fans. I saw a lot of Bruin fans that were um, what, what, Detroit Tiger fans that were there wearing Tiger wearing Bruins hats and Tiger shirts. Oh, here's a weird combination. Somebody that I broadcasted with in college too. She was a Bruins, Chicago Bulls, and San Francisco 49ers. Fan. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm sure some of them. Yeah, are there's Boston gonna be there's friends, gonna be plenty of combinations. Boston fans, yeah. but a lot of the hockey fans are not all baseball fans. Okay, so just because they love hockey, so I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. A lot of women there. A lot of Boston fans are women. Uh, of the the, I, the the Boston Bruin fans, a lot of a lot of women were there. A ton. I, I a lot. I'll say this: when I was at the Stanley Cup Finals, there were more women there in the audience than there were men. Hmm. And I guarantee you, I saw it because I I was saying that to a bunch of writers. I'm like, am I blind or something? Or do I see more women than men? So it, it just it, there's a lot of women that are Boston that are hockey fans over there. Sucks so. says, Speedy, if the Rangers win the couple, you'd a goose tattoo wearing a Rangers jersey. No, one tattoo bed at a time, Snug. Uh, Earl would nibble dude's earlobes at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, okay, Snug. Red Sox fans are God's chosen few. Anyways, Jeff, thank you for I mean, going, I got to be honest. Like, I mean, I, uh, you know, I mean, when I played, like, I, I would, you know, I've bitten people. Like, I, you know. I'm sure you have, Jeff. I mean, yeah, I don't... Th- Listen, maybe it's because we grew up in a different time or whatever. N- nothing was really out of bounds when I was a kid and we played hockey. Like almost, almost. Listen, you didn't, ki- you didn't kick someone with your skate. We all knew not to do that mm. kind of stuff. Or whatever. Nothing was really kind of out of bounds, though. I've had people try to kick them, kick me with their skates. You know, when I was playing. But yeah, that's dirty. You can yes. kill somebody. Yeah, but she like can. Beyond that, right? Like, but beyond that, uh, like honestly. I mean, we used to do all kinds of crap. Too. Yes, because it, 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 especially you know, when somebody is better than you on the ice, and, and, and you get, and you're dominating the game, they're trying to slow you down or get you scared, and they send their little, you know, their little bastards not- after you, and you know, and, and then you have to be, you, know, you have to watch it back every time on the ice when you get on the ice. I, I mean, it's not I, even I that. Sometimes, it. like sometimes, if you're up, you know, like if you're up. And kids will take it the wrong way and just start throwing cheap shots and I stuff. I know. Like, I got. I've had, that, I mean, I it happens. It. I had it. I, I had a lot. I, I've had it a lot over the years when I was playing hockey. There, there. Most teams had one or two enforcers, and they would, they would send the, every time I was out there. They would try to, to put them out there to try to you know get me in the corner to do whatever they can to me to keep me away from front of the net or you you know seeing seeing the ice the way I saw the ice you know so. Which is what you want as a you know as a team. If you know anything about sports, you want to keep the best player contained and make the other guys beat you. You know, which. But it used to happen like all the time. Like it was, you know, like every, it, it, everyone's become so soft. Dude. No, hockey's become soft. It has been, and that's that's just because the NHL is trying to protect their players. But I don't think hockey has become soft. I think these some of these hockey players would rather have it 
the way it's always been. I know, but it has become soft. Come on, Jeff. Hockey has become soft. It has. 110%. Well, well, that's just the league rules and stuff. Like now, even fighting. How many fights you see every single, every single week? I was just going to, I was just going to bring that up because if you noticed the, the amount of fights hasn't dropped off, but the, or or the amount of fighting penalties hasn't dropped off, Mm -hmm. but the amount of fights has gone down. Of course. Yes. Because, because, as soon as they drop the gloves, the refs are jumping these dudes before they can even start fighting. Because of the and, CTE stupid crap. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm not saying man, stupid, but you know what I mean. And honestly, here's here's the thing for me, and you you guys might disagree, and and I can I can respect all sides of this argument. So whatever your argument will be to it, you'll have a good point. But I think fighting is necessary in hockey. You like the reps can only control so much. Like if, if you take the ability of a guy just to grab another dude and beat the shit out of him out of the game, you're going to see more stick work, more guys getting cut sticks flying around everywhere. You're going to see more dirty shit, more slew foots, more slashes, all that kind of stuff. Because if P- if players don't have the ability to police the game themselves, the refs can't stop that. It's a, it's a, it's part of the game, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be taken out of the game. You're absolutely right. It's a part of the game. I mean, the, I think the players do a really good job of policing themselves. Like players, for the most, did you see Ovechkin get tripped last night or whatever? And really, on the replay, he fell down, and the the referee put his arm in the air for the penalty, and Ovechkin went over to him and was like, "No, that wasn't a penalty. I fell." Mm-hmm. And they waved the penalty off. Classic. Right? right? Well, but here's the thing. They're, you know, like, the bumping, the hitting, you know, all that kind of stuff. Players know what's a penalty and what's not and right. what's dirty and what isn't. And if you take the ability for players to – and I'll just use this one guy. You can use Marshan if you want, but I'll just use this one guy as the example. Or, or there's really two that I can think of. Three. Matt Cook. Steve Ott mm. and and Sean and Sean Avery. Sean Avery, yes. Those Classic. those dudes, those dudes were always doing the dirtiest shit I've ever seen. Oh, in my you life. also forgot about uh, Ty Domi, Bob Probert. Those no, guys. no, 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 no. Those guys were classic fighters. Not not doing like dude Matt Cook. Dude, Ty Domi was a troublemaker on the ice. Dude, right, but he would fight people straight up, genuinely, whatever. Dude, Matt Cook. He ended Mark Savard's career uh, with one of the dirtiest plays you've ever seen. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How, 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 how many cheap shots did Steve Ott deliver to people? A lot. So right? did, Also, um, uh, Bertuzzi. I mean, Todd Bertuzzi <laughs> also was a vicious person, too, when he left the yeah, Islanders. But you, yeah, but you want to know what? I, I, it's so funny you mentioned Bob Probert. Because um, I found this series that's on YouTube. It's called Hey Berkey. I right? saw that, yeah. And and it's about Brian Burke stories. Mm-hmm. And he actually told one about Bob Probert, where a young kid came into the league and skated right over the faceoff, was like, hey, Proby, big fan. It'd be an honor if you were my first. And he, and he said to him, he goes, you know, so-and-so did it for me. You got it. I'll do it for you. And then they squared off and had a fight, right? Like gentlemen, right? Had a good fight like gentlemen, right? You need fighting in the game. You need it. Can you imagine how bad the stick work would be if 
if if guys like Matt Cook and Steve Ott, or Brad Marchand, throw Marchand in there too, because he can he can really do things to get under your skin. If there's no threat of punching that dude in the face, they're just going to continue to keep doing it. I agree. Stuck says, I miss Rob Probert. The salaries have gone up to the point where dudes are less inclined to truly brawl it out. And fighting in the, is in the fabric of hockey just like cheating is in the fabric of baseball. Well, there you go. Anyway. If you could pick the top three fighters in hockey of all time, who, who would be your top three fighters? Well, Bob Probert would definitely be there. Um, Probert's got to be one. Um, top fighters of all. Oh, Joey Koser was great too. Joey Koser was great. He was a great fighter. Um, Rob Probert, Joey Koser. I'm trying to think. Uh, Marty McSorley. Uh, I, I'm throwing McSorley out because he was. And listen, it happened as a Bruin. So I'm throwing McSorley out. He was a pussy that slashed Brashear in the back of the head. That was dirty, <laughs> and he's a pussy. He is, but I used to love watching him play. He used to do some dirty things, Marty McSorley. He I'll, was... I'll, I'll, I'll give you what I think are the top three fighters in NHL history. Who? Right? Uh, it, then we got to go. Third for me is Probert. Mm-hmm. Right? Then I would actually throw in Rob Ray in second. I think Rob Ray could just chuck him. Rob Ray. Rob Ray. Ray Rob Ray told us he was on a show. And Rob yeah, Ray, two years ago we interviewed him. And Rob Ray told us that Joey Koser was the toughest guy he's ever fought. I'll give you the. I'll give you the toughest guy in NHL history. With all due respect to Rob Ray and his pick of Joey Koser, Zdeno Chara. <laughs> there, there, dude, there's. First of all, Speedy, you're laughing. No, no, no. No, no I wasn't laughing because it's not true. I believe it. There's a reason why no one in the NHL, even the toughest guys in the NHL, won't fight him. John Scott wouldn't John fight Scott. him. John <laughs> Scott. That's a name I haven't heard in Z- a while. Zidane Chara, every season he's in the league, should win the Lady Bing for sportsmanship. Because every game that he plays in, he could tear a human apart limb from limb. He just chooses not to. Hmm. No, that was like, Char is like a beast. Yeah, no, no, Jeff. I was kind of like a part laugh, like part like, yeah, I'd be intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Jeff. I mean, but God, I'll let you finish up. I mean, I mean, think about it. How many, how many people do you see want to fight Zidane Ochara? Yeah. Well, nobody because of his size, his big hands, and all that other stuff. But it, but also he doesn't lose fights either. Stuck says, first for me is Speedy PD is NHL 93 for the second Genesis. I was undefeated. I wasn't even born in 93. Stuck. Dude, those old Sega Genesis NHL games are elite, bro. They're elite. This is back when the Sabres still had uh, Pat LaFontaine and and Doug Gilmore. What a group. Anyways, thank you, Jeff. All right, boys. Jets suck. Go Celtics. (laughs) Jeff from Tampa. Um... I'd like to thank NFL prospect uh, Charlie Kohler for joining us. He was fantastic. And uh, Matt, the zookeeper prince, Dynasty League football senior writer, was fantastic as well. Um, Listen to the Weekend Crunch on Saturday at 7 p.m. If you live here on Long Island, you can go to iHeartRadio. If you are not from Long Island, 103.9 FM. Uh, Moneyline Mania has been fantastic. How did they do this week? Did they do well? I didn't check their scores from this week, but I will say, that Chaz, with the, 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 a lot of the future bets so far, a lot of what you were saying about those one seeds, especially now with the Devin Book injury for the Suns, are looking a little more probable the way they're playing right now. So uh, we'll see long term, but I'll give them some credit on that. Anyways, that's it. We'll be back next week. Good night. 
It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.